shadow of the war See the smoke in the air A soldier running through the trees He's visibly scared Moving towards the screams And the onslaught of battle Seeing fellow soldiers struck down You can tell he's rattled A comrade's neck slit That's it, he's done for Now he's next but an arrow Evens the score The unfathomable feeling Of surviving that encounter But all he hears are the screams And they're getting louder The general's weapons clash with a clang of thunder The audible rage is enough to make the bravest soldiers shudder The blood drips thick, red and sticky in their eyes Envision the victory, see the enemy's coming demise Strike with the strength of a whirlwind demon Stabbed in the foot, hear the great general seething Deflected spear, raised the sharp blade to the side Sword in his neck, General Tamura has died And from a short distance, the cub watches eagerly Washed in the blood of the battle's brutal scenery Just to survive, he pillages the bodies of the fallen He's an orphan with no voice of parents that are calling The aftermath brings out the wings of an owl He then runs a blade across the poor face of the child Astray with nothing to lose, he will choose the blade And the owl will become his father on that day A life dedicated to the ways of the shinobi High and clad, colder grips his stony heart coldly The wolf is now tasked with protecting the life of his master His well-being to be guarded in peacetime or disaster From firefall or should the water rise The wolf will give it all to keep the young lord alive Keep his focus even if blinded by the light of lies And sacrifice his own life even if he has to die Twice. Welcome to another episode of Dark Insight. I am your guest host for today. My name is Jeremy Greer. I used to be a host of this podcast and I was forced out due to my controversial opinions about Sekiro. I am joined by two of the greatest hosts of Dark Insight, one Brian Wade. Brian, hello. Hello, Jeremy. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm thrilled to have you back around here. I know. I'm taking charge of things, too. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> it's great. And Charles, a.k.a. Vader Van Oden. How are you today, Vader? Not too bad. And just so everyone knows, we didn't have a choice. Jeremy forced us. I did. That's 100% <laughs> I did. true. <laughs> I am holding back all of their arms behind their back to, to force this. Uh, we are also joined by two guests. That's right. This is a five-person podcast. Uh, welcome our good friend and souls lore enthusiast and export expert, Diana. Diana, hello. Hi there, everybody. And we also have our good friend Mystic, a.k.a. Savesh. Hey, Mystic. Hey, everyone. And uh, we are here to talk about some Sekiro. We're not going to do our usual weather routine. We're not going to talk about what you've been playing. We're just going to be talking about Sekiro. So if you have not played the game to completion or you are not comfortable hearing about spoilers to From Software's 2019 title, you should turn off the podcast and uh, go download Don't Give Up Skeleton instead. No spoilers on Don't Give Up Skeleton, guys. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody, for, for joining us, especially all of our guests. And um, I guess we'll, we'll kind of get this started. Uh, I guess... Let, let's kind of go around the room. Uh, Brian, I'll, I'll start with you and kind of have, has ever, I guess let's do this. Has everybody here finished the game? Yes. 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 Okay. I have finally. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, actually, I'm sorry. I wanted to take a, just a brief moment of silence. Uh, we, we had a loss today and uh, if everybody could just, you know, bow their head respectfully, um, Cliff's PlayStation 4 controller uh, it was apparently lost in the Great Secure Wars today. So just just a moment of silence for that. <laughs> Pour one out for the dead Hobie. 
Uh, press F, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> Poor Cliff, he is having he is having some troubles with this game. Man. He's, he's having hell, and, and and you know, like we're not going to get into a lot of the discourse around Sekiro, but I think that there is something to be said for. Uh, yeah, the the game's hard. I mean, uh, it's it's a it's a difficult game to get through, and I think you know once you click with it, you click with it. Or I know a lot of people that have gotten up all the way to the very end and just been like hey you know what there's no more level after this like i don't i don't want to play this anymore like i don't i, I want to go play new level stuff i don't want to play these bosses so yeah um, hot take like if it if the game makes you break your controller you're allowed to be mad at the game 100 <laughs> percent yeah 100 my good yeah. buddy my good buddy chris uh he got to the last boss and he was like you know what this is this is not making me feel good as a person so i'm just going to stop um but we here at the Dark Insight Podcast are all professional pro gamers, MLG, the, the true Sekiro elite. Yep. Uh, Say that. I, I have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't even talk to me about that until you guys have like given your chorus charm back, which I'm not going to do. But yeah. I am definitely not going to be given no charms back. I can promise you that. I'm on New Game Four and having a great time, and definitely don't want to do that because that sounds like a miserable experience. Um, so. Uh, the last Dark Insight podcast, I believe, uh, I, I, I we kind of gave me, Charles, and Brian gave, or not Brian because Brian had not barely played it, but me and Charles gave our general impressions of the game. Dana, let's start with you, just on a general basis. When you started playing the game and kind of got to experience it for the first time, what, what were your general thoughts? Gosh, the level designers and the environmental artists need an award because Jiminy Cricket is the game gorgeous. <laughs> That's that was pretty much yes. my first thought because like you you just sit there and you're like where's the photo mode because the environmental artists need need some sort of an award for the work they did in this game like I think on stream when I saw the the fire effects for this game it was just like I stopped and I like stared at it for you know a good 2 minutes um because I, I play on my uh, my plasma screen and it's just like it's gorgeous, just gorgeous. <laughs> and I think that was that was really my first impression with the game. Like Jiminy Cricket, this game is gorgeous. It is exceedingly beautiful, and uh, I want to echo the question that you just asked, which is, and I'll put a little bit more emphasis on it. Where the fuck is my photo mode from? This is a single player game. It has a pause button. Lance <laughs> McDonald has already hacked the photo mode from Dark Souls Three into this thing. Like, give me my photo mode, please. What? What? What are you waiting for? I'm just nodding. You're just nodding. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> other, other than that. Like, I was kind of expecting more of a Tenchu game, um, having badly and terribly played, like, two levels of Wrath of Heaven a bunch of months before. And, you know, a few a few of my chatters on stream were like, you're, you're definitely playing this like a Tenchu game. So a lot of people were, like, rushing head-on into, into fights they probably shouldn't have been doing. Um, that's probably the, one of the reasons my, my first playthrough was so long, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched, I've, I've been watching some of your stream. It's archived on YouTube and, uh, we'll have links to all of that in the show notes so that people can go check it out if they, if they want to go see it. And, uh, you spent s- like five times more time in the tutorial area than I did. <laughs> you were like playing with the mechanics and sneaking around and I was just like, fuck these dudes. Let's kill them. I've got a sword. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Savesh, what about you? I absolutely enjoyed the game as well. And um, I think the game for me just arrives at like a very interesting juncture where 
you know, obviously, like, you know, we decided not to talk about the D word. I mean, Discord before discourse before it gets any dirtier. Um, but I think, like, you know, I, I always feel like thinking about the time to, you know, back to when, like, you know, I first fell in love with, you know, full, wholeheartedly fell in love with the Souls game. You know, I, I try to think back to how alien it was all to me um, because it's almost like I took a shot at some, doing something completely new. Um, I wasn't that much into video games. Um, so, you know, just playing this something that just demanded so much of you as a, as a player was was something so totally new to me. And I, just similar stories to everyone where I just like kind of gave up, you know, for a long period of time and got back into it. Um, so it just like taught me that, you know, I, I need to give something a chance sometimes and, um, trying to think about like, you know, back to how I was feeling back then and how we're all feeling right now. It just kind of underlined to me that, um, the opening days or the opening weeks of a From Software game are just so totally unique. Um, you know, as, as some, some, as people that, you know, as we're the media that we experience um you know if you get a film or a tv show or like you know just most games and i've you know i'm putting it like putting like things like dark souls 3 that came out recently and you know into focus here where like when that game came out and i was part of the you know conversation in the opening weeks as well it just feel felt like everything was just going by so fast um you know we're all we also know like it was just released way beforehand as well so uh there's so much about that game that was already out there Whereas with this one, it really felt like kind of a community discovering everything. So I just, I really feel like one of the best parts of a From game is everyone discovering it together and like just kind of being part of that conversation, whether you like it or not, or uh, what your thoughts about it are. But um, just more than the game itself, it just, I've been, I love being part of like this opening week's conversation. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun because um, as a, as a as a as a known Souls person, like I'm kind of known for for my love of the Souls games on the internet nowadays, uh, for better or for worse, um, I'm got into several different conversations across several different places about Sekiro, and it's it was just it was fun in every single like channel or Slack channel or DM or or whatever. Like I would, it's it's just been fun to have those conversations with people of like, did you find this? Did you do this? What the fuck do I do with fish carp scales? I don't know what this is. Why am I giving this dude this? Is it bad that I sent him to the surgeon? Of course it was bad. Like you knew that was going to be a bad deal. <laughs> it's never um, a good plan. <laughs> The, um, yeah, don't, don't either, send though. him to yurt the quiet surgeon. Just don't. <laughs> don't. Yeah, nothing good happens with that. Um, poor Kataro. Kataro is that his name? I think that was his name. I don't remember. Yeah, um, that's his name. Kotaro. Ex- yeah. Um, Dan is going to make me feel extremely bad about mispronouncing everything on this podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> just going to say that right now. <laughs> listen to her. Don't listen to me. Um, Brian, I know you've you since the last time we recorded, you uh you, you finally this game finally got its hooks into you and I, I happen to know that you finished it not long before starting this broadcast. So uh what what was your kind of general impressions of it and then what do you think it was that actually hooked you to to get you to finish it? Yeah, so I uh I finished this game this morning, um after several several attempts at uh the final boss. Uh Jeremy, you got my text messages of screaming at my my screen <laughs> about finally killing him um yeah i don't know like i i think it was just like i just kept pushing at it and then finally like something broke through for me and you know like you you were the person that i've talked to the most about it because like i would just text you every time something new happened 
And so, like, if people would were to look back through our text messages for the last, like, week and a half or so, it's probably just a lot of, like, me saying a name and then being mad. <laughs> That's true. Um, this, this game definitely, like, made me grumpier a lot more than I remember the Souls games doing. But, like, also, like, I just, I can't stop, like, thinking about, like, how... How how good like everything about it is and like I I, I thought I was going to come down on the whole like I, I know like a lot of people are starting or coming out of this game having the opinion that maybe they think the, the the bosses should be a little bit easier or maybe the bosses just shouldn't be there and it should just be more about the exploring the worlds but man I don't know like I just I need both parts of it I guess like I loved exploring the areas but like without the boss at the end like I I don't know what's the point you know. Yeah, I can totally see that. And I, I think, you know, th- I think that can be subjective for each person as well, because um, like I mentioned earlier, like I know a lot of people that get up to that last boss and are like, oh, I know I have no game left after this. So I'm yeah. just going to go back and, and start over again because that's the parts that I like. Uh, I, f- I feel, and, you know, much- as, as, as an elite, elite, uh, Ash, Ashina elite gamer. Uh, yes, of course. I have to, ASG. I, I, had to prove, AEG. I had to prove my worth <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, defeat, and defeat the final boss. So, uh, I I will uh, I will accept my my gaming rewards uh, and I will step away now. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Please take it take it and run. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, as I've I've gotten to the point now where I'm like the boss fights are pretty much all I'm doing. Like a, I, I'm on New Game Four. I'm I'm plowing through levels at at high speed just to get to the bosses and and have some fun with them because that's the that's the drive. There's there's certain levels that I like to play through. Sinpu being a, a notable one. Um, <clears throat> but after you know two or three times, uh, I I enjoy it. I, I like it. But I'm I'm here for that <coughs> frantic and that really really intense uh, boss fight feeling. I'm curious. Uh, let's get some negativity out of the way, Charles. Uh, what do you think was the boss that almost made you want to quit the game, or at least not quit the game? That was your biggest wall to get through. What was your biggest hurdle? Um, the final boss took me the longest, but I never felt like I wanted to quit. I always felt like it was a challenge I wanted to tackle. Um, yeah, so I actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> so there was there was there like any boss that gave you? I mean, obviously you said you took the longest on the on the last boss. Was you think that was the the one that was the hardest for you to finish? I, it's just it's such so long. It's um, there's a lot to it. Um, and the variation between the stages are quite different and so it was you would learn one movement get to the next one die and then you would have to kind of reset yourself like the well it's spoiler cast we can talk about whatever the first the first stage of the final boss um i would either i would either kill him in 10 seconds or he'd kill me in 15 mostly because i'd let him because if he got one hit on me it was just what wasn't worth my resource consumption to let that damage stand and so i just let him kill me uh so it was either 10 seconds me kill him or 15 he kill me and <coughs> but then i'd get through to the next stage and uh which is the um uh what's his name the sword saint mm-hmm. sword grandpa as i've been calling him yes yeah. <laughs> as you know that uh, it's the sword saint that that next stage i found i initially i just found it way too quick and so I ended up slowing. I worked out that if I slowed down, he slowed down. And so I fought that stage without using any healing items by just taking a long time and waiting for him to do the sheathed um, double slice where he would draw his sword. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd punish it. I'd back off within 
a, a pixel of where he's about to attack and i got so good at it that it would slice as, as I, his you know the animation that does the big sword swish will happen <laughs> when he does that slice um i could step through that and attack um and do punish him for it but it would take you know five to ten minutes of slowing the game down but so by the time i would get through that <laughs> in the third <laughs> stage is high intensity parry his ass like there's no tomorrow uh, and then so just that the difference in those would throw you off because then if you died you'd have to reset and then i go back to um i can't remember what's his name i'm terrible with names uh, the first Genichiro. the first Genichiro. stage Genichiro. Genichiro. yeah that's it and I, I wouldn't be able to do it i'd die three times in a row to him because my eye was out it was set for um the sword saint and so that was my biggest frustration is that i had to keep relearning to an extent like it, would, it would throw me out every time when i'd have to reset and i would I, very rarely would i get through him the first stage the first go after getting to the third or fourth stage of the of the sword saint yeah i think that's really um, interesting I, I, because like for me the the second stage uh, the second phase of of ishin was all about just like precise parrying on each of his attacks like just uh just every 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 I I just you know like I I did the souls thing I learned all of his tells and like I knew when to parry when to jump when to when to dodge like and I I I figured out how to you know manipulate him into certain patterns and that was kind of my whole fight against uh the the first I mean the first stage like you get to the point where it's just like like you said you just knock him out in ten seconds um but yeah like and then for me it was just learning the third stage uh because you had to get through the first two every time to get to the third one <laughs> uh and then by the time you get to the third one you're like just mentally drained enough that you're gonna make mistakes yep. um so then i did you know I, I i dealt with that for a long time uh diana you saw me in the uh the dj discord complaining about him pulling out a gun on me um, yeah. I, I I came to I came to really like it when he pulled out the gun because it was a lot of easy deflects and then he always did the stab afterwards. So I was yeah. like, okay, yeah. like I can just deflect all this stuff and then do a Mikri counter every single time. Like that's fine. Like please yeah. please pull out this gun on me. Yes, yeah, and I think that's what ends up happening is the scariest boss attacks in the game end up being stuff that you're you're waiting for them to do because as soon as you figure out how to counter it reliably every time then it becomes free posture damage or maybe some free uh vitality shipping or whatever it is um <clears throat> real quick before we move on this to is- uh Sylvester's next uh worst boss uh we have we, we have a, a, an extra host here we have cliff cliff is joining us late in the podcast Clifford. yo hello cliff how are you my man Hello, I'm good. I've literally just jumped in from a six and a half hour battle on Seguro. <laughs> we, we did, we did pour, a, we did pour one out for your controller. Yeah, I did. We, we had a moment of silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, it's good to be on. Yeah, oh, yeah. So where where are we? Where we where are we at? We so just, we're uh, we're kind of talking about our our our, our wall bosses and uh, mm. like our, our our most our <laughs> well. most difficult bosses. Uh, <laughs> Hmm. Savesh, tell us tell us which one you had the most trouble with. Yeah, that point you made about uh, you know kind of looking forward to their most scary attacks uh, kind of tied into the point I wanted to make, which is I was you know not as spoiler averse as a lot of you going into this game. So you know, along with Sean and some few other people in the community, like we had our own like 
spoiler channel and the and it's the same thing we're using now in the discord where we were just talking about all the pre-release co- coverage of this game like we were went full hog and like you know watching all the gameplay stuff like all the interviews which are really interesting by the way um and i could not shake off the fact that you know obviously they, they hit a lot of things you know after um, I would say mid-game or so. Like they did show off the Gnichiro fight uh, in the last ever trailer that they put out, but they, you know, obviously showed a lot of mini bosses in the early game in there. And going into the game, I could not shake off the fact that man, Wildest looks amazing, and I kind of understand the posture system, like in theory, because they were talking about it all the time. Just not having it in my hands uh, made it seem like it was going to be a mountain. Um, I just. Uh, you know, there was this one trailer where they showed off the um, the long arm centipede guy, where you know he does like his obviously now one of the easiest attacks in the game um, in the trailer, and all the context I had for that attack was seeing a very similar attack in Dark Souls Three from the crow guys in one of the DLCs, and looking at that that attack was like man, they're bringing back those like more than ten hit combos, and like I'm gonna have to like really be like really good at like all the you know whatever i have to do like blocking or dodging but starting the game um the the, i felt like the friction was most like in the beginning for me um and the slow the slow you know slowly i started realizing that wait a second the parry window and it's not even a parry in this game like you know we call it parry centric but there are blocks and deflects and the window is like actually very generous and the fact that you can pull off like a series of them, if you know the exact count that the boss is giving you, um, you know, it gets easier as you like time, time them um, was like, was a big revelation for me. So I think one of the biggest walls I had in the early game and Jeremy, we talked about this was I went directly to Genichiro as soon as I beat the bull, because, you know, obviously once you beat the bull, like you have your left, right and center paths. And uh, I just, I just managed to pick the center one um, and it was still the first or second day. So like the conversation was still about how difficult the game was. So I had like no context of like how this is scaling or where I was in the game. I just assumed that all these bird people on the roofs would be like as tough as they were with, with the health I had and the attack power I had and everything. And the two mini bosses inside the castle were just very hard for me. I think uh, I beat everything up to the bowl in a matter of like, maybe less than eight hours or so but i was stuck for almost a day until i beat Gnichiro. um and i i was like playing this pretty non-stop on the weekend and that's just because i was just kind of throwing myself against it but i also feel like i learned a lot doing that um even though like my frustration levels were the highest then where i was like man all my worst fears about this game are being realized everything's just hard but but I slowly realized the timing was generous and also like holding down block will recover my posture. There's, you know, the combat arts were actually pretty useful. That's when I discovered the power of Ichimanji. Um, it was, Icky for I life. think that was a big, rev- yeah, you know, <laughs> I just, that was just such a big revelation. Like, I think once I passed that and Genichiro is now one of my favorite bosses in, in the series, um, once I passed that, I knew I just would not give up on the game. Like no matter, like, and I'm probably sure I spent, uh, you know, the most time on the final boss. But, but by that point, I knew I was going to just get past it. Like, um, you know, another late revelation I had was like, I was not looking for individual moves, but like, you know, combos as, as Brian just put up, like, you know, you're looking for that four pistol shot because he's going to follow up with an attack you can be curious. So uh, you want, you want to look for those sets of attacks. And, um, 
and you know, after having said all that, that is still too much for some people. And I totally understand uh, where they're coming from. And it takes time or you don't take to it. And I, that's totally understandable. And I still would not say I'm great at the game, but I've come off like way more positive on it than, than at the beginning. Diana, you're up. Um, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to be curious <laughs> what you say. What's your What was your most difficult boss in the game, or the one that made you? Um, I think I think raged. my wall is pretty much exactly what you think. It's Guardian Ape, Guardian Ape Phase Two. It's a real motherfucker, and it's not like it's not like <laughs> the 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 Abunai attacks or anything like that. Like I got those pretty immediately, but he'd do one chain of attack that I never ever got. And he was and like I spent a lot of time on all bosses. Like I people, people would say, "Oh, I it took me like ten tries," and I'm like, "I don't count that that way. I count it in hours." <laughs> but like, like every boss took me a bunch, a couple of hours to to understand and analyze and and figure out and stuff like that. But like all of them were enjoyable. Guardian Ape just got like most of his moveset was really boring. In the <laughs> which is which is really where the the boredom set in with him. Like I understood his attack patterns pretty early, and it got boring. And I'm like, can we can we please just finish off this boss fight now? Yeah, you just want to press the <laughs> I, I get want... it button. Yeah, I'm just like I'm. I understand this boss fight. I know it. It's it's getting it's getting old. I'm just like you know. I mean, the rest of everything. I really enjoyed taking everything apart, looking at all the stuff and and analyzing what they were doing, what I was doing and what I needed to change to overcome the bosses. Like I didn't mind I don't mind spending hours on a boss, but like when they get boring, it's like okay, it's time it's time it's time to finish it off here. <laughs> so, yeah, that I mean that was it. Boredom is, um, I think is definitely big... your enemy in this game, I think. Um, you know, yeah. talk, and I was, talking about and I was that Ishin boss. boss. Yeah. And, like, Ishin didn't take me very long at all. Like, Ishin might be my favorite boss. And then... Um, MLG after... Gamer. Yeah, the, the true and elite gamer steps that, in. <laughs> DOH. Like, Demon of Hatred and Ishin are my top two favorite bosses in the game. Demon um, of Hatred, I cannot, I cannot walk walk down this yeah. road with you. Like, I like that boss fight a lot. I think the music is really good, but boy, that that is just a that is just a like a it's an endurance run. <laughs> like, you come out of that fight yeah, like, whoa, yeah. I am I am exhausted and my hands are shaking. Like, what is happening? <laughs> I went very zen like for Demon of Hatred. It's just like I was just like, there's something that it references. Uh, Mushi Mushi's referenced it in Ishin's. Um, memory thing and it felt very much like that when I was fighting Demon of Hatred it's just like I wasn't even like there I was just reacting to all, all the stuff he was doing and it was just reacting for um, I think the whole file is like 10 minutes long I think I think that took me like 10 minutes to finally wow. beat Demon of Hatred Ishin only took me 8 only top to bottom <laughs> only, only took eight. you 8 hours no no uh, no Ishin, Ishin took me like 2 and a half, 3 hours Oh, Demon gotcha. of Hatred took me about four, four and a half, but you know I think I think the, mu- the music really helped because the music was great. Yeah, the music <laughs> in that fight is is extremely is, good. Yeah, it's extremely Yo. great, and it, it like it, it wasn't boring in the same way as Guardian Ape, because Guardian Ape only has one gotcha moment when the, the game straight up lies to you, and I knew something was wrong immediately because the trophy didn't pop, and I'm like something's up. <laughs> 
and sure enough <laughs> that's and that's like, a, that was his only gotcha that that highlight that is probably like one of my highlights of the game is the moment <laughs> that the ape gets up picks up a severed head picks up the sword and it's like i'm not we're, we're on um yeah, yeah so like it's it's like i think my my biggest wall boss in this was definitely the uh was definitely ishin um because I just spent the most time at it. And, and just like Charles and them said, uh, like just learning the movements and not having a, a huge opportunity to learn the next phase before getting completely destroyed. Um, but I do, I want to point out one specific boss fight that I, I, I feel like I have spent a huge amount of time on um, is the shadow hand guy, the purple guy that's in the well <coughs> on the way to the depths. Um, I came across that dude super early. The cameraman ninjas. Cameraman ninja, exactly right. Like, I feel like that coming across that dude super early, not understanding the combat system, not understanding deflects, and not really having a good idea of what can be, can be Makiri countered is. And then also on top of all of that, um, you're fighting them in a phone booth, like Diana said earlier. Like you're just you you have no room to really move around or dodge or anything and i'd i must have thrown myself at that fight probably 30 or 40 time uh 30 30 or 40 times before finally getting it and then subsequently now it's just like my hands know what to do and that's not a weird brag or anything but it feels like such a difference from coming coming in now is where i'm just like yep this oh yep got it got it got it got it mccurry okay yeah no worries yeah that's kind of how like uh, demon of hatred ended up being for me but like i always fight things in a phone booth by accident, even Demon of Hatred, there's a there's a whole section where I just fight him in a corner. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love figuring out being super aggressive. That that's that's where that's where I get the like the Bloodborne stuff from because I'm like you're not I'm not stuck in a room with with you. You're stuck in a room with me. Cliff, you want to talk about uh, your six and a half hour boss fight? Because I'm assuming that's going to be where your uh, your major <laughs> amount of salt is. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, very much so. Like the, the thing is, I've technically I've not actually finished the game, but I'm not too fussed about spoilers. Like I really don't care. Like pfft, I'm beyond caring now about spoilers. So, but technically, uh, I've just hit the first ending that you can get in the game. And that's where I've been struggling up until now. Like when it first, when I first started the game, obviously I was struggling a bit. Then I gelled with it really well, and I was getting into a good flow with bosses. Quite ironically, I had the opposite with Guardian Eight. Like I'd done him like four tries in, and I found the second phase really, really nice actually. And then doing the double apes is cool. But I basically I was just been fighting the first ending where you fight Emma, then Ishin back to back. So basically you have Emma who's uh, one phase and then you go straight into Ishii and Ashina, which is a two phase. But I don't know what it was with this fight, but I really, really, <coughs> really struggled with Ishin. Emma, after a little bit, I got used to her attacks there. She used quite the same attack patterns and it's, it's it was all about rhythm with her, sort of the one, two, three, one. With her. It's all about the parrying. With Ishin, oh, I, the, the problem I found with him was a lot of his tacks, he's got that, he does tacks that are slightly delayed. So obviously they pull the hand up and they delay before they strike. So I'm like, and I'm pressing it far too early. And I just couldn't seem to get that timing right. And then going on to the second phase, he does the same sort of stuff again. 
like he's got this like big stomp then a swipe but obviously in the second phase he adds fire to everything he does so he's got these big huge fire swipes which obviously inflict you with burn and do massive damage and then he's got this other move where he kind of just stomps on the floor the entire arena sets on fire you get toasted then he comes up and does this like a million slash attack at you I'm so I just couldn't for the life of me could not work that fight out and in the end like I ended up looking up some tips and stuff and there's like a if you use a a uh, oh my god like a stab attack like where you charge your R1 and do a thrust he kind of shifts and you can dodge around him to the left behind him and do like a whirlwind sweep and you can do that like fairly consistent and in the end like I've probably been out about 45 minutes tonight and I've managed to obviously finally get through that but I was at it four and a half hours. Four and a half hours last night. Like my my controller was get thrown around the room all like last night and <laughs> a couple of hours the day before, I think it was. Like I'm surprised my wife didn't wake up last night and I haven't woke I'm surprised I haven't woken the kids up tonight. Oh actually no, my son got out of bed and he was like Daddy, what happened? Did you bang your toe? I was like, oh no, I just dropped my control. <laughs> I dropped it at 45 miles per hour. <laughs> uh, I, honestly, I haven't broke a controller in years. Like, literal years. And yeah, my, my PS4 Pro controller's in two bits. Does it say something about our stubbornness that we, like, just... <laughs> No, it says something about the game and how delayed attacks are bullshit, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But how good does it feel now that you've done it, though? Do you know, right, it's really sad. It it is really satisfying, don't get me wrong. It is satisfying, but I'm down one controller now. (laughs) They're not cheap. And I was like, I was like, I have to beat this boss now because I've broken a controller. So if I don't beat this boss i've also wasted 60 quid on a game and 50 on a controller i was like i'm not having that i've got at least just one of them will do so i just and i was just talking to um sean law hunter just a minute ago and he's basically saying that he thinks we're basically we're, we're sadists really like we're just absolute glutton for punishment when it comes to these games and we any normal person would go no 20 minutes in now i'm turning it off but we just I don't know why we just keep going and going and going. And people know me. I have this kind of battle with most FromSoft games. Like, I'll go up and down, up and down. People take the mick out of my Twitter posts because you know when I'm playing a From game because my Twitter goes <laughs> mad of me just going, brr. But <laughs> this time round, I've just, it's been a real struggle because obviously in previous FromSoft games, if I hit a real wall, I can use summons or level up. This time round, none of that it's just me <laughs> and i'm not very good at it's games. just you and your gamer fortitude <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i mean which is the amount of mountain dew that you have drank this morning <laughs> is what that is because if you go back and look uh, through cliff's twitter uh he has probably declared that he is quitting Sekiro no less than five times in the past week. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, but also declared my utmost love one of the final bosses <laughs> And that, 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 you know, brings you back to what Diana was saying about, like, what it says about our stubbornness is that, like, mm. we, we're we just not going to let this game beat us. Like, fuck you, game. Like, it, it, this is not how it works. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, even the times that I was spending 
um, specifically the last boss fight, but like the amount of time that I spent like with on attempt after attempt after attempt, and it, there was never a question in my mind like I'm not going to do this. It was always I I like I I like the combat enough. And everything that was happening that was wrong in that fight was my fault. Um, with maybe the exception of like not mm. having to kill Ginny every attacks. single freaking time. Um, but it's like wanting to be better. Like that's that was the driving force in that game, and mm. and, and just wanting to. Yeah. I know I can do this. Like I know I can figure out this pattern. I just have to do it. Although it does, um, I finished the game for the first time and then like five minutes later uh went into record a uh episode of monster of the week with my friend chris and the outtakes of that episode like chris is like are you okay <laughs> like, you sound you sound like weird and i'm like are you, do you guys do you even ask me like do you want to like reschedule and i'm like no man i'm okay i just gotta we can talk about hunks in a second we can i'll get there i promise <laughs> And it's, you know, it, it, it gets that, that feeling out of you. Uh, Cliff, you mentioned that, you know, you did one of the endings. Um, this game has mm. four pretty distinct endings. Cool. Is, is everybody yeah. in the room, like, I think every, pretty much everybody knows what they are and have seen all those, those alternate endings, correct? Yeah. Shout I out if you haven't. I've seen yes. them, yeah. Not, not me yet, but um, I have to say I'm fully open for spoilers. I don't care. Yeah. So if, yeah. Just I've done two. Lay it on me. I, I'm I'm planning to do all four. That's basically what I've done. I've done that, but I'm not going through the entire game again. So I have save scummed it <laughs> and I've pinged my save back on. So I've yes, just gone back in. So so yeah. my next fight will be Al at the castle instead of Emma and Ishin. So um, I thought, I've done that. I need to put the controller down and step away for an <laughs> evening and just take a breather after that in just ridiculousness owl is, is is very difficult so uh the ending that you got is referred to as the shura ending because you yeah. you break your code um or, <clears throat> or excuse me you break your your kind of oath to kuro and you side with your dad in order to mm. potentially give him like the immortality stuff um i'm curious if anybody here has a because your your dad this owl guy finds you on the battlefield um he adopts you he trains you along with the help of some notable people uh in the ways of shinobi um, he kind of gives you a master in the form of a young Kuru and Kuro and tells you like, whatever happens to him, like you have to protect him. And then like right above that, you have to obey me too. And I'm like, all right, dude, that seems a little weird. Like, but okay. Uh, but then he shows up kind of in the middle of the game and he basically is like, Oh, Hey, I need the immortality stuff. You need to, you need to do this with me now. Um, I don't know anybody that naturally was like, yeah, dad, let's do that. I think everybody I know went, tr- went and sided with Kuro on that. Yeah, I was like, can, no, fuck that guy. Like, I, I, I want to protect exactly. my good boy Kuro, Kuro. Get you and your weird ponytail out of my sight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious, does anybody have um, any ideas for motivation as far as what the owl is going for outside of just straight immortality? Because it seemed like he's a great warrior, but it also seemed like he's kind of at the end of his path and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that like he'll show up at the begin the kind of the middle of the game and be like yeah yeah i want i want that dragon blood give me that dragon blood oh boy um <laughs> yeah let me let me quickly just go on that because i know diana will have a way better answer so uh, <laughs> i'll just quickly finish my thoughts here um if you look at Al's, like i think the remnant you get from his memory it just says pretty much that it just says hey this was his ambition and now is the time to let one's true name ring out across all of japan which is a weirdly like uh super hyperbolic like really funny line that i thought that was in his remnant but that's to me that's just what he is he's just he is a one-note villain that i think the 
I think From expects you to believe that Sekiro could think otherwise. Um, and I think there's there's two two possible motivations for that. Uh, one is obviously like r- very straightforward. I think I'm just going to put it out there. I think they just wanted you to role play an evil guy, uh, which has always been a part of like From's games. Like if you go back to something like Navlon asking you to kill a lot of people, or like uh, Malencia going and asking you to kill all these people, there's no reason why you want to kill all those good people at the Nexus or at Majula, but you do it anyway because it's just part of it. And I think this time they they kind of colored it like as having more weight. Uh, but I think they just, A, like, you know, more straightforward explanation is they just wanted you to role-play someone that is curious about what being a Shura means. Like, you know, the game doesn't really go into, I mean, unless you seek out two or three items, like, it doesn't really go into what Shura means. Um, and I think if you have the natural curiosity as to what that entails and want to role-play an evil guy, that's obviously a straightforward motivation there. The other thing I think is... You know, the game kind of traffics in, like, many themes. It's not as... Um, I'm not saying this is a negative thing about the game. I don't think this game is about one thing, as, like, some of the Souls games were, or as Bloodborne was, like, you know, where everything just had a strong central theme. I think this game has many themes, and that's okay. Like, you know, it talks about war, it talks about family, um, corruption, obviously, and immortality and everything. But with the family thing especially, all that plot makes so much more sense to me if I think about it as something like The Godfather. Um, there's so much cultural weight behind what a code means in like mob families, for example. Uh, I- I'm trying to put like a Western touch on this because if I talk about the Eastern aspect of it, like, you know, a code of the family and what, what honor means and what you mean to your family is like, um, I hope I'm not pres- being presumptuous here, is like it just holds just so much more weight in the East. Um, so, Obviously, that's just them being bringing that perspective in. But if you read it as a mob story, as something more relatable, as you know, uh, as what we've seen, like you know, we've seen many films about this. A code means something, um, mm-hmm. and if you role play as someone like that, um, you know, there's totally motivations for Sekiro to like stick to the code because it's it is actually does actually hold that much weight. So it is like an important decision. And I know as a player, we don't treat it as an important decision, but I think that might have been their motivation. Uh, and then finally, one controversial opinion I don't think I ascribe to, but it's interesting, is if you're going around Harada, you get to talk to like certain NPCs and houses. Uh, one of them accuses Sekiro of um, abandoning the young lord um, and making the invasion easy. Um, there are some theories out there that maybe Sekiro was a negatively colored character and the amnesia allows you as a player to change his course of path. Um, maybe Sekiro was in on it from before. Um, and if, if you role play as that, then him going for the sure ending will make total sense. But I just, I just don't like that. I don't, I don't like that because I just kind of think that this bond between Sekiro and Kuro is uh, a little bit more pure um, than that would uh, end up. Excellent. I like. I really like the idea of the <clears throat> looking at this through, because I mean I'm not extremely well educated on like Eastern philosophy or Eastern really anything Eastern. Like you get further Eastern than East than the Mississippi, and I'm like ah, I don't know, man. I don't know, I don't know much about New York. Um, but you know, looking at through the eyes of you know you have a, a godfather of a family of a mafioso family, and then you can you know everybody subscribing to that code and up, up, upholding it, even if it seems like negative for them personally, is is something that I think a lot of people on the West could identify with. 
Deanna, you're, you're up. I heard you say, oh boy, when I asked this question. So I'm curious what you were about to say. Yeah, because uh, you might have just opened a, a can of infested worms or something. But uh, Oh no, not a long arm centipede giraffe. Oh goodness. So, so you have to go all the way back. To answer, your, to answer your question, he knows he's not in his prime anymore. And that's exactly the issue at hand with Owl at the end and that is exactly his motivation he is not in his prime and that's the problem um owl has been looking for the divine heir for many many years the opening cinematic shows him just you know randomly cutting sekiro for what you might assume is no reason at all the reason is because he's checking to see if he bleeds the divine heir doesn't bleed so Sekiro shows that he's not a divine heir and Owl's probably about to kill him, but like Sekiro grabs onto his sword. So, you know, Owl, Owl creates a tool because he doesn't know how long it'll take to find a divine heir up until that point. So, you know, Sekiro is gaslit the entire time because of Owl's perverted version of a samurai code and yeah codes codes with the samurai are incredibly important and there's an incredibly telling line that owl says when you choose not to side with him and he's like when did you grow compassion um i'm paraphrasing here somebody i think can look up the exact the exact line but Compassion doesn't really factor into codes of conduct for Semidai. They're extremely pragmatic to the point of fatalism. Um, So I assume that Owl programmed and groomed Sekiro since he was at least 12, because Sekiro looks about 12 years old in this opening cinematic. So that's about 20 years of programming and grooming and stuff like that for this code, this this perverted code, which puts him above a lord, which never happened um, for like samurai, samurai at all. And it places him at the top for a very specific reason. And that's for plan A. And plan A is the Hirata Purge, which Owl probably... Owl probably instigated, probably could have used Sekiro's help in doing, um, but that it failed because Sekiro went and found his lord instead of what Lady Butterfly and Owl were planning on doing, which starts plan B, which is like (coughs) using Genichiro's own major failing in that, um, and this trucks into one of the big themes with Sekiro is that in the power and how people take that power and how people um, look at their expectations of power and um, even a little bit of imposter syndrome in there too because Genichiro is adopted and he was a peasant and jumping all of jumping that hierarchy to basically the lead family of the Ashina clan creates who Genichiro is because of what he expects power to be or what he thinks power should be um, so Owl uses that and like he expects Sekiro after 20 years of grooming to side with him and his Shimanawa braid and and do with that and like the reason why Shuda ha- happens is because like 
taking that choice and obeying your father destroys Sekiro inside, and that's why he goes Shura. But like, yeah, to answer to answer the original question, Owl is looking for the divine heritage because he is keenly aware of his mortality and he's keenly aware he is not in his prime and that is in sharp relief to sword saint Ashina Ishin and how he comports himself in the final final boss so I'm curious and we can we're going to go out of the room on this one I think um I when I play through a from software game I, I very rarely understand what the fuck is happening at the end of it um so there's obviously like the big moment at the end where the sword saint literally comes out of Genichiro's body. <laughs> you mean the Kuan reference? The, the, definitely mean the Kuan reference. Uh, everybody go, to, if you've never heard the game Kuan, go, go check out Kuan. Uh, Deanna has a great playthrough <coughs> on, on her YouTube channel and there's, there's, you can find them out there. It's a really cool game. Um, but like there's, there was all of these weird stuff happening. Uh, Brian Wade did, did, what was your kind of intake on the story of this? Or at some point did it just become like a pure mechanical and like, I'll figure all of this out later. Kill, kill, kill. I, I am the Shinobi. I must do the ninja things. So that's pretty much all I had going for me. That was it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I tried a little Tra- bit, but like I, I had no fucking clue. And I, I, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if maybe it would have helped a little bit for me to be playing this game in English. Uh, because I have a tendency tendency to not look at my screen during cutscenes all the time, um, and that's that's a lot harder when you don't understand the language being spoken on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit difficult, <laughs> Brian Wade. Put down your phone, goddamn! <laughs> you mean you're not staring intently at the screen and taking down notes <laughs> for my for my deep lore channel on YouTube. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Body boy. Um, <laughs> Charles, what about yourself? I know that you're kind of, uh, I mean, we've talked on discords and things like that before. Like, you've actually been to some of the places that uh, some of the architecture in the game is based on. Like, were you picking up what some of the stuff was laying down, or were you just kind of experiencing it? Um, a bit of both. Um, I don't dive too heavy. I don't sit there and read to like the item descriptions over and over again or anything but um i I think i tend to take in the overarching point of of it um of the game and and yeah some of the the themes there's always more to learn and dive into though like um i was just thinking about it um what mystic was talking about with the the villager you can talk to about the shinobi um it didn't i always thought it was a bit strange but maybe that it was the shinobi that the village is referring to is Al, and they're just mistaken that you are him as well. So there's there's lots of to go in, and there's things that you always can learn, and that's what's so good about these games is that you can you can listen to other people, take from it, and take it or leave it. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So and then- to me, Al is just a representation of the greed <laughs> that everyone has for this immortality and the reason why Kudo wants to end it is because he's not the only one after it there are more everyone seems to be after it and it creates this eternal struggle battle that's constantly bloodshed that's happening and it, it wants to end so that's the kind of themes I'm I'm taking from it is that it's this um, cycle of of greed 
Sivesh, I'm curious because you're, I think, the only person at the table that uh, really followed the pre-release footage and read interviews like you mentioned. Uh, number one, my, my original question is, like, how much of this stuff did you absorb on your first playthrough? And number two, did any of that pre-release stuff uh, shine a light that maybe the rest of us didn't have on the on the storyline of the game? Um, yeah, well, firstly, I just want to give a caveat, like, I feel like Jeremy gives me a lot of credit about <laughs> knowing a lot about the lore <laughs> and stuff, but I'm a very, like, you know, casual consumer of my first playthrough as well. Like, I, I try to, like, follow everything, but it's obviously very hard, and obviously just, like, I'm just, it's, it's os- osmosis of talking to everyone and, you know, absorbing all this stuff that I've been learning, where I can't separate whether I just learned that while playing the game or after sometimes, Um but uh, c- considering the pre-release footage, uh, one resource that I'd ask everyone to check out uh, is the Game Informer coverage, where they had a lot of interviews with the with the developers, um, and it just kind of really went into what their what their thought process behind everything was. And one aspect that I found really cool was after Bloodborne, like everyone being asked to like sit together, and I, this this is I think one of the lead des- I think the lead designer for Sekiro was speaking about this. We said Miyazaki had everyone sit together and had them like contribute like a one one storyboard like concept art for something anything, um, and the one that stood out the most and like most people liked was this like really um, you know bloodshed battlefield with like um, you know some something that looked like a shinobi that I would say would look more like a samurai um, and staring at a really huge like vertical space. Um, and I think what they said is the first thing that they latched onto was this like uh, depth or the height, sorry, um, which is which is what they felt like was an element that could be used to distinguish this game from everything else they've done. Um, and then slowly they added the word ninja and how a ninja is so agile and you know can move around everywhere and used as the core tenet of what they were developing. But putting all that aside, like I don't think they revealed anything about the story um, going into it, like. You know, obviously, like the first trailer itself has you has Sakura being told, "Hey, go save your master. He still lives." And um, and I, I think knowing from games by now, I did not expect that that would that was where, where the game would end. Of course, like every from game has like you know a twist in your journey, and people always say like, "Hey, Bloodborne had that like shift," but I, I would argue like every from game has that honestly, um, and so that's why it kind of ties into Genesha being such a you know, great fight for me because here I was like, wait a second, like this guy, you know, should be near the end of the game. Like the game's letting me fight him like straight away. What the hell? And like, I spent so long on him and, you know, obviously learned it and, you know, really enjoyed fighting it by the end. But like everything that happens after that fight was so good for me because it's like, I was expecting it. I was expecting the turn. I was expecting the twist, but the way it all unfolded and how it was so different from, the recent from games like it was more straightforward but i just found it really cute that here here was kuro that was acting like a little souls youtuber like hey take look at this book that i found look at this note that i found let's go solve this thing and like break the cycle of immortality forever and it it just turned into this like whole new adventure and i was expecting a whole new adventure but the way it was colored like kind of like this never-ending story story it's like hey go here go there like zelda like go find the sword was so totally unique that I, you know, that I did not expect a From game to do, you know. It was so much more straightforward. It gave it to me. Um, and I'm not saying I understood everything after that, but um, it, it just definitely felt like 
in the lore it's supported like being going after this truth which i found like a really cool thing cliff you uh you just finished the game and got what most of the internet considers to be the quote unquote bad ending. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I think that comes from a place of, you know, you're, you just cut yourself off from a large part of the game when you do that. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily the worst ending. In fact, in my mind, the Shura ending is probably one of two of my favorite endings out of the four that you can possibly get in the game. Um, yeah. ha- having seen that ending and obviously wanting to get to the other ones, are you, like where are you at like are you does that make you more intrigued for how it can play out on the different side or are you are you just kind of ready to like just get through it because you're so angry at the game <laughs> no I, no I, I i genuinely am very intrigued as to what the other endings can hold and sort of what what stories there because everyone as everyone knows i i love from games for the level design, the lore, the world, the setting. I love all that stuff. If, if I could ramp the difficulty down to like 10% of what From Games would are, I would. Straight away, without doubt in my mind. Like, I I don't play From Games for the challenge and that exhilaration you get from beating bosses for that challenge. I... I I'm a, I'm a I'm a law story person, so yeah, I'm I'm quite looking forward to seeing the rest if I can get through what's ahead of me because I know there's some even tougher <laughs> stuff ahead of me. So we'll just have to wait and see how I get on with that. Yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to see because if you're if you're restoring your save and you're going to go back and you're going to fight uh, Al Dad on the rooftop, uh, that mm. fight I think is a um, can be a huge wall for people just because of the tools and stuff that he brings out. Uh, but also in New Game Plus yeah. and, and up, man, like the posture damage that dude does is insane. Like it's just, it, it brings a whole new level. Like I have to run away and like hold L1 to get my posture damage down and just not worry about attacking him for a little while. It's it's really crazy and frustrating. Um, it has, that fight has an intersection of like a mechanic that I find really cool in theory, but I hate in concept where it <laughs> totally makes sense that he's a shinobi so he can dead blow you if he breaks your posture um yeah. and I, I it's it's good in theory i just hate when it happens in the fight it's it's that fight is so interesting because he's the shinobi and because he has similar tools that as you um and some that you don't have but like that dude will makiri counter you and like that's the like, that's the first time that happens you're like excuse yeah. me what did yeah, you just Cliff, do? don't stab him uh, <laughs> do, yeah, do, do not do not thrust dad which i think was what we should name yeah, this podcast don't thrust dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've uh oh, we, we've talked a lot about the the story and stuff uh brian i, I want to talk about the the levels uh i think everybody has their their clear favorites and i think there's one standout level to the game game that's maybe the best at least the best looking level that from software uh-huh. has ever done but I'm, I'm curious as you were playing through the game or as you have now finished the game uh what what did you come out with as like your favorite area to explore or to fight through or just to like sit back and use your night jar monocle and like look uh, at? it's it's fountainhead like not not only like the best looking level but like the the, the gameplay in that level like especially in the opening part of it like I really like playing through the game. Maybe and maybe this is just because I wasn't. I, and I think I told you this is that maybe I I felt like maybe I just wasn't as uh as used to the game as as comfortable with the game until then. 
Um, but that is the first level of the game where I really felt like, oh, hey, this is like a stealth ninja game. Like, I can sneak around and take out everybody uh, in a way that I just didn't really get the rest of the game. And boy, like, if the whole game was Fountainhead, like, I would have I would have been ecstatic. One of my favorite things about Fountainhead is it's from software really leaning hard into their enemies just like every single enemy there seems placed so very carefully whether or not they're on the lookout for intruding enemies or they're all gathered around a dude who's just like practicing like hacky sack i know there's a better word for it than hacky sack (laughs) i'm probably insulting somebody i'm sorry but like it's just so well animated and like they're all placed so carefully with such intent that it's just it kind of takes your breath away a little bit like i played through it just right before this podcast um and you literally can't just sneak past it and, and kill everything. Like that's, and I'm, I'm curious, Diana, for you as somebody who was, I saw, I haven't seen all of your playthrough yet. Um, uh, but as somebody who was taking a more stealthy approach is, does that hold up to you as Fountainhead kind of the culmination of that stealth gameplay or did that happen earlier in the game? Um, Fountainhead's probably my favorite one, but like two, um, just because it's, it's color in a FromSoft game. It's so pretty. Um, unless, unless, <laughs> seriously, if if it's not like the Adventures of Cookies and Cream, there's not, there's probably not a whole lot of color in a FromSoft game. But <laughs> okay, I had a bet going with somebody, and it took it took you an hour. So okay, I was I was, was going to see how long it took to make you cookies and cream. <laughs> <laughs> I have to adhere to the brand. Um, also, the word you're, the word you're looking for is Kimari, which thank is the hacky sack yes, game. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, but it's it's. There's a lot of like twisty, twirly, different hallways that you can go through. You can go around buildings. You can search for your way up there. And there's obviously good ways of going about it. Um, Like in some of the levels, the critical path and the only way through is running past all the enemies and then coming up behind them and then then clearing out the, the level. Because the the approach angle is actually the worst angle to attack, like um, a level in a stealthy way. But there's a lot of really great placement of enemies too, and they even account for the whole water thing. Because you'll be able to go under the water at that point, because uh, you would have beaten Mibu Village at that point and ridden the Shimanawa Man up to up to the clouds. So. Um, it's it's really probably the best level just in general. I think Senpo is my second favorite. Can we take a minute to like how cool it is it that from Sofia let us swim? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Finally! I mean, they introduced you to that concept I'm, so early too. It's so amazing. This is not hyperbole, like and I'm, I'm not an authority on this because I haven't played too many games where you can swim. But I think this is the best swimming I've seen in games because it's just so fast, you know? That's the thing I hate the most about swimming in some other games is, like, they. it seems like they slow you down, and they change the controls here as well, but, like, just being able to, like, zoom past everything um, and, like, having that moment of realization where you know that the underwater headless are actually kind of easier than the real headless because of mm. your mobility. Um, yeah, you can just zoom like really in and cool. out. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. 
Yeah, the moment you beat the corrupted monk, and it's like, oh, you have the ability to like swim underwater. I was like, excuse me, from <laughs> what, what have you done here? Yeah. I like. I took an entire freaking day or two on a stream, and I'm like, we're going swimming now, everybody, because I wanted to see what was in the water everywhere. So we. I went think everybody everywhere. did that. Like, yeah, yeah, that was a, one of the best moments the game gives you. Yeah. It's uh, it was like getting the Lord vessel almost. Like that was, it was that kind yeah. of like, oh, now I want to go back and see what all this stuff is. Now that I have like an easy or maybe maybe Lord vessel isn't the the right word, but or the right thing that I'm thinking of. But it felt like it made me want to go revisit the levels in different ways. Um, like even going back to Harada and be like, I wonder what's under this weird jar guy that I don't know what's about yet. Um, Charles, well, exactly, because there's a lot of lot of criticism to the newer Dark Souls games because they allow warping very early, and it stopped the exploration that we had in Dark Souls One, and things were missed because you could just easily warp. This allowed, this mechanic allowed, it forced you or encouraged you to go re-explore and find mm. things that you may have missed. Yeah. and I think it, that's awesome. It, it's the culmination of something they've done in this game that I think not a lot of people have really have really um, critically acclaimed, and that is how amazing they they did to, like, refresh levels. Um, just the reuse of areas are really clever. Like, oh, there yeah. might be mm-hmm. a... Like, the reuse of, the reuse of areas, the reuse of levels, the... the Ties into the level re- I was going to talk about. Yeah, like, the, the re-examination of... A, uh, certain places like how how the uh, the giant carp ends up at the Bodhisattva um, valley just you know it's just there <laughs> but like there's just the it's just really rather clever reuse of areas that makes the whole place seem a bit alive also it brings a tear to my eye because FromSoft has gotten very far from killing you as soon as you enter the water King's Field. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bloodborne played with like the environment changing, all the look of it, like with the the night and day. Dark Souls Three did it, whereas this completely reset levels with the time of day change, which I thought was fantastic. New items, new enemies, um, enemies fighting each other. It was just it was really cool because, as you say, it made it feel alive and exciting to retread the ground and just the way you came in and out of the castle was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, the first time that, like, you sit down in an idol and all of a sudden, like, a bunch of your warp points are disabled, like, what, I was like, <laughs> what? first of all, what's happening? And then I'm, I'm pretty sure, Jeremy, I texted you and I was like, why are there ninjas? <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, like, happened to me. I think my chat was just waiting for me to see it. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> the, uh, the way they do that at the end game, too, and I think... Um, for as beautiful as Fountainhead is and for as beautiful as something like Senpu Temple is, uh, Ashina Castle as a whole and the things, the, the changes that that level goes through, uh, not once but twice, uh, where your your idols get disabled, you're forced to progress through it in a different way than you had been before, certain paths that you had available to you are no longer available to you, there's new and more dangerous enemies, there's, in some cases, there's mini-bosses in some places that you don't necessarily have to get to, and it's kind of worthwhile going back through and exploring that, even in this like kind of crazy, hectic environment. It's it's really impressive. And then on top of all of that, Charles, you mentioned like the 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 day cycles uh like go visit like i'm sure somebody has done this but i was i had the idea today of like i just want to see like 
like sweeping vistas, but like changing the time of day, like just videos fading over one another because it is so gorgeous and it's so beautiful. And every single one of them are pretty like Sinpu. When you first get there in the early game, it's this bright sunshiny day and it's gorgeous. But then like you can get there towards the end of the game and it's like kind of dark and overcast almost. And it's still just as gorgeous somehow. Like I, as a fan of thunderstorms, like I was, I was still kind of into it. Man, I I just I, I I'm so impressed with it. Sebastian, what what, what about you? What's your what's your kind of go to for this game? What's your big standout for this? Yeah, I was going to talk about Ashina Castle as well, um, but too late. You know, I'll just <laughs> jump, on, jump on your answer, uh, and I'll just talk about a different aspect of it. I think um, you know, I'll count the outskirts in this as well. Um, not really the earliest part of the game, which now that I think back on it, like. I love the opening level because it's, you know, introduces to you to all the mechanics pretty good. Like, I think in retrospect, it's good. But I think the the biggest walls, like the biggest mini bosses are in the beginning. So I just, I still have a lot of negative emotions with the first two mini bosses that I have to process. Um, but I, I think like the the part of Ashina Outskirts kind of leaning, uh, leading into the castle and like all of the castle, all they all that they do with it. It's just it's classic like from soft enemy encounter design i think and they bring so many aspects into it there's like humor like all those guards like rushing in when you kill the bull like where's the bull like where's the bull <laughs> and you know just you just mercury countering the first guy that comes at you with a spear after defeating the bull is pretty awesome and like the the general giving the speech to all the soldiers or uh obviously like my favorite enemy in the game like the woo guy like when you go on the roof um, oh, that was yeah, and that was it's, a moment. It's so good, and like uh, when you go into the dojo and like how everyone's just kind of using the Ashina School of Arts, um, uh, just kind of seeing these fools pull out their Ichimanji on me it was pretty crazy. Um, and um, and um, yeah, so all that was great, and like I think they color like a lot of aspects into it, the humor and like um, just the encounter design, the the unique uh, moves that enemies pull off on you. And obviously, yes, all the, the day-night cycle changes that they do, and I think I think this is the first time after Dark Souls One where you like sit somewhere and you're told you can't get out of there, or, like you can't warp to somewhere new. Um, and it, you know, I kind of feel like it's like uh, a lot of the Dark Souls One world design where they forced you to travel to places was all like happenstance. Um, and now that I think about it, I because you know they've clearly moved away from it. They haven't even made the effort anymore, like since since then, to have like even pretend to like you know give you something like a non warpable system. They've every game since then they've had you warp, you know. So I think it's clearly it's a decision they they're making because they know that you know they're clearly not able to pull something off, or like they just made the decision to not do that. But I think what they do with the castle is the closest they've come since Dark Souls One to like have you retrace your steps. And so much of that is so intelligent because I knew things were coming, right? Like you enter Ashina Castle Redux and you see all these people running at you and I know that there's going to be, you know, some badass ninja running at me. Um, and I know, okay, they've blocked off all these aisles. So I, I remember going by a so-and-so path, like back into the castle. And I could anticipate them setting up like a new, you know, interesting encounter there. And all that happened. And even knowing that it was coming, like it was all so cool. And like they, they tell a very complicated story with Ashina Castle, uh, with the enemy placement and the encounter placement going on around there, and it's because they've they've told stories with enemy placement before, but they have told a very complicated narrative going on here with Ashina Castle, um, 
because they, they it acknowledges the fact that you've killed all these mini bosses and all these mini bosses are generals or high ranking individuals within the Ashina army. The fact that you went and killed them all allows the interior ministry to come in at at nighttime. As soon as nighttime falls, the interior ministry sweeps the the Ashina castle to purge the entire clan. And it wouldn't have happened if you hadn't killed all the mini bosses who are these generals and, and the, the bouncer at the door who, you know, Gyobu Oni, Oniwa. So, you know, it's like these, these new enemy placements are telling and supporting this complicated narrative about what is actually going on besides Sekiro himself. Yeah, besides dealing with Kuro. Like, there's there's a whole other chapter that's happening. Um, Cliff, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, as somebody who's only played half the game now. <laughs> sorry. <I'm> <laughs> what's, your, uh, what, what's your kind of general opinion on that level design, and uh, are there any standout uh, levels in that in that early part of the game? I don't know what, you, what paths you explored before you got to... The the big well, I guess I do know. I have I, I, you've explored all of them at that point. But what's your what's your big standouts? Um, yeah, for me, obviously, up until this point, I really like, as I say, Senpo Temple is just it's very cool. There's a lot of verticality in that area, and there's a lot to explore, and it looks nice. I just like the trees and stuff. Definitely one of my standout ones. But I also quite like. Uh, the Harata estate memory obviously with all the fire and all that I quite liked that it's the first time I've seen sort of from do fire look really really well and I thought that looked pretty stunning but as for like level design and stuff I definitely think it's some of from's best level design I feel just obviously because you've not only got those flat planes you've got all the vertical planes to go with it as well and it's just it, it, it does baffle me how people how these guys can create such precise levels with all this area and some other developers can't even create it on just a horizontal plane so these guys have added that vertical plane in as well and they still that's one thing I think FromSoft is extremely good at is their level design I think their level design is absolutely spectacular and also enemy placements and just setting up the levels this this is what I was saying earlier on like um, that's what I love I love about this game so much is just playing the game if I could get the bosses and throw them away, I'd be quite happy with that. Because then I would have a, a game that I can just love in it. Because I, ha- I I don't really struggle too much with a lot of the mini bosses. Yeah, I do bang my head against them, but not as much as I have done with certain main bosses. But I just really enjoy exploring the world and being a super badass ninja, stealthing through the undergrowth and backstabbing fools. I love it. I love being a ninja, but when you get into those bosses, obviously, you, it's, I don't. It, it changes a lot, and I think that's some of the um, what leans a bit hard for me because I was playing the game so stealthily and stuff. A lot of the bosses rely on you being able to deflect properly and all that thing. So if you're playing the game quite stealthily, you don't get a lot of practice in being a deflect master. So it kind of plays against itself in that sense if you know what i mean so let's talk about that let's talk about being a shinobi in this game um because the game gives you it's it's so much different than uh any of the modern day from software games you don't have 
really equipment or anything that you were equipping and changing out your weapons. You have your one sword. Uh, you eventually get some other kind of swords, uh, but that's not. It doesn't make a huge difference on combat, uh, but the the place where they do mix it up is with your Shinobi tools. I, when I started this game, I saw that emblems were a uh, consumable, and I, I had that I have that classic thing of where well I can't use it because I'll run out when I really need them, and so I ended the game with like nine hundred plus. Um, since then, since then, going back through, and I, I kind really? of I almost kind of like that I've done this because I upgraded my tools along the way, but outside of the shurikens, I, I really did not use them or take advantage of them. Um, going through a new game plus and starting to experiment with some of like the the ones that have follow-up attacks and you know you can go from uh if you have the terror anti-terror umbrella you can do our r1 out of the umbrella and it gives your your attack a boost like it gives you almost like a divine confetti boost that does 25 percent more damage and stuff like that and so that's mm-hmm. really cool and I, I'm, I'm i've been having a lot of fun with that but uh brian let's start with you like what are your favorite tools and have you or have you even been using them at all can i can i tell you about the katana that's a pretty cool tool. <laughs> um, no, I, I, <laughs> and you're going to uh, say my mind. <laughs> the Shinobi mind tool. Take that to the sculptor exactly. and just like put your head against it. Just put it in my arm. Just put it in my arm. <laughs> While you were I, uh, using I, the flame I, I, I used the axe a lot. Um, early, on, early on, I found the axe really useful for like breaking people's posture. Uh so I used that a lot early on, and then I, I kind of got to using the, the firecrackers a lot. Like, I, fa- I found it pretty useful to, like, uh, hit, hit a guy a couple times and then, like, throw the firecrackers, keep him from reacting, and then just keep keep up with the pressure. Uh, but honestly, I didn't didn't really use the tools as much as I maybe should have. Um, I didn't, I didn't, what, uh, I didn't kill ingeniously or whatever. Um, I killed with a, my katana. Um, it worked fine for me. Killed, obviously. <laughs> Charles, what about you? Um, I, I really like the tools and the variety in them, and that's it. There are only ten, but it, it turns out that there's like thirty because of the different upgrades. Um, I think the the cost of the emblems increasing is a real dick move because I I was running out. Um, I don't think there should have been an increase in the fifty per one is just too high. By the end game, I, I had a grind. I was completely out by the time I finished Demon Hatred. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so I I had to farm, and I ran out of Mibu, um, the the Mibu balloons that increase the drop rate of emblems. That I was farming so much, I I got up to like four hundred, um, and I was using the dagger. Um, that's really cool. I really like that some of these random side bosses have really unique, cool item drops. That was a nice surprise. The dagger. You're talking about the um, like the poison sword thing. The ceremonial tanto. That's the one. The one that you nick your, you cut yourself shaving, and then you get five extra emblems. Oh, cool! I didn't, like, I guess I must have that, but I've never actually looked at it because I've never. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Cool. I don't know that I've ever seen the this first, thing. Uh, Shichiman warrior drops that. Shichiman warrior. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's it's the blood vials um, technique you can do, like in blood sure, yeah, blood bullets, bullets. Yeah, from yeah, blood bullets. Absolutely, yeah. cool. Yeah, I never even thought about using that. Like, Not yeah. There's some bullets, there's sorry. some weird stuff in there that you get from the headless and the and the warriors that. It seemed like like I can tell that like someone's going to make a YouTube video about how this is useful, but I'm never going to do it in my game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because fuck the headless. 
And yeah, yes, I've, I've actually been headless. fighting the headless yesterday because you know I'm in post game, so I'm like, yeah, whatever. Well, I have. I'm sorry. Well, I well I I fought like four of them yesterday. I only have like one left. But what they give you is actually really lore interesting when you yes. put them next to their consumable counterparts because. It's, yes. It suggests just how depraved <clears throat> some of this got in the Ashina lands, um, religiously. Yeah, it's you basically get items, um, like it, you basically learn, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Diana, but all of the items that you were, all the candies that you had been eating all game, whether to make you more stealthy or to make you attack more, are basically named after or from these these headless dudes that you were, you have been killing. Um, yeah, is, the, the headless are each. Each one of the headless are the heroes that the candies are named for. Yeah. Because when you kill the each individual headless, you get their spirit fall, which is their, their permanent one that costs spirit emblems. And each one has a little blurb, maybe like one or two lines, that says what the, what the um, result of what happened to these heroes and how they became, quote, headless are. And, like, one of the most evocative ones is uh, Gaichin, who you find in the hidden, the Misty Forest, a.k.a. Kingsfield Foreland. Um, And and he, it was so misty, and he had basically disappeared into, he had camouflaged himself so much, he more or less fell apart by himself in silence, where no one would find him because he was too stealthy. And he basically fell apart. Um, one of the other ones is a, that you fight in um, Fountainhead. It's revealed that the underwater one. It's revealed that his he's part of a twin set, but his twin died in vertigo, in, in utero. Sorry. In and, vertigo would be a really weird thing to die in. <laughs> yeah, in I've had vertigo. In, in I've water. actually had vertigo. It sucks. But in utero, like he died and his twin died in utero and like he died because of something happened. And another one died because they decapitated him because he was on the he was on the wrong side during probably Ishin's incursion. I'm not sure if it was Ishin's incursion, but he he sided with the wrong side and he got himself decapitated and thrown in the, in the moat. So like it, it really shows just kind of how messed up things we're getting or have gotten when these basically they're like lowercase kami because they are venerated heroes and like just how depraved things have been getting in, in Ishina like Ishin Ashina's watch too. I'm um I wish that those all of that lore stuff weren't wrapped up in some of the mechanically worst feeling fights in the game for me. Like the terror is the worst. <clears throat> terror is the worst. Um, like even even, and I know there's some people out there listening. Like, oh, you just have to do this and this and this and this. Like, yes, I know, I know, <laughs> but it's still the worst. Like, you can still get caught yeah, with it really un- unexpectedly, and it's an it's an instant kill. Uh, I and I feel like those those headless fights are almost antithetical to what the rest of the game is teaching you to do. Uh, and I I kind of hate them. And maybe like I just. Because I haven't even finished killing all of them. Like I, I, I still have a couple that I should probably go kill just for completion's sake. But now I'm in new game four, and I kind of don't want to. So probably never going to do that. Uh, but that's kind of why I'm doing it in new game. <laughs> yeah, I should, what I should have done. But like, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't make myself care. So I, but I don't know. Those, those, those fights just seem so different, and 
than anything else in the game, and I, I just I just don't like them. Is there anybody else that is anybody else here that's like really into the headless fights that I'm currently insulting that I need to talk about? <laughs> um, well, I find them found them quite interesting because they were just yeah. a scary thing that you would see, and you're like, nope, 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 and you'd run away from throughout most of the game. Then I got the the purple um, umbrella. umbrella shield, yeah, and so it, they become trivial. You just sit under your umbrella and then do. The, the follow-up attack which does quite a lot of damage um, and you just do that and they become very easy but they were still very I found them very scary so it was still quite tense even though it was because if you stuffed up or you know think they would get you but then I had missed one of them and I went back right at the end of the game to find it uh, it was in the uh, I used to go underwater in the cliffs of the talk, heading towards the sunken valley that should be good. Oh, by the there's like the graveyard, didn't there? Yeah, yeah about the, old the little grave, pyramid yeah. things. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Um, and you go in, you go swim underwater, and you come up into the cave, and there's all these weird pyramid shapes in there. And that one, I just fought normally, and it was actually quite a fun fight. But I, I was so scared because of the the how powerful they were when you first come across them that I was too nervous to try and fight them. I guess one on one, and so I was using the shield as a scapegoat, I guess, or a way to get around that. But then when I fought it one on one, it was actually quite a fun fight, and it's quite easy to parry. Um, and yeah, so you can yeah. fight them straight up. It's just there is a lot of scariness to them. Early I, on I in fought the game. all four of mine pretty much straight up because I, because of the spirit, the spirit emblem thing, I ended up just getting used to just using the sword. Um, but like. So I, I forget the item, the the tools are a thing. But like, man, I hate I hate terror. It's like Frenzy was like comes into a bar and he's like, "Ha, yeah, Frenzy! Everybody hates Frenzy!" And then Terror's like, "Hold my beer!" But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're really positioned as as new game plus, like you know, uh, pinatas or something. Like you know, get everything you need like to wrap up the game and like go on a victory lap, kill everyone, get items that you might use on New Game Plus. But, I mean, I look at their items and it's like, you know, you consume what is comparatively an expensive resource, which is your spirit emblems, to give you the same effect that the candies give you, but they last a shorter time as well. Um, and it's just like, I don't understand like all these like barriers between you and items sometimes. Um, it kind of goes back into what I wanted to say about prosthetics, which is... Um, no, I, I cannot find a convincing argument as to why they have to cost anything. Forget, like, why the price goes up later on. Like, you know, I want to kind of hold, like, a write up, like, a, a play card saying, like, hey, remember Estes, like, in front of Frum's offices. Like, <laughs> like how beautiful and elegant a system was Estes in DS1, where you started with the set. And you got in, got the ability to change the number of Estes you can use, and you can control that per zone to set your own difficulty, right? Like, you, hey, this is a 5 Estes zone or 10 Estes zone or, or 20 Estes zone later in the game. I feel like they should just apply that system to everything, expendable resources, health. You know, what What stopped them from just giving you 20 spirit amounts to play around with on every run? And that would be in keeping with the Tenchu spirit, right? Like, in Tenchu, I, like, from the games that I've, you know, whose playthroughs that I've seen, you know, you start every level with like a set of resources um, and you get to pick like, hey, these are the ones that I want and run the level with them. And I almost wish that they had 
they had made the spirit emblems not co- cost anything at all, just have like replenishing spirit emblems, but limited you on the prosthetics you were carrying on your run. Uh, that would have kind of given it like a little bit of a ninja flavor. Hey, I'm planning for this run. I'm I'm going to load my prosthetic, you know, so that it's equipped with these things. Um, and, you know, change it around for a boss if you need it. Like every time you set, a, set an idol, you can change your three active, you know, prosthetic tools, just like you did sometimes with weapons, right? Um, I don't know. Uh, I just, I cannot find a convincing argument as to why they have to cost anything at all. Like, you know, there's this cool system you want players to use. Um, why add friction between the player and that and that cool system? Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I kind of like what you're saying. <clears throat> Go ahead, Charles. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, I like what you're saying, and I, I think there needs to be a limited use. Like you said, having 20 set, and the, the con- there should be a consumable item that allows you to extend that, but that's rare. So if you, in a, in a hard mm. level, you might want to use another or, one of these idols like that gives you 20, 20 new emblems or something like that. Yeah, or like letting you have an ability like later on in the game to, to increase that number for a run if you wanted. Um, yep. You know, just... You know, uh, you get this cool item that makes you increase it to 40, you know, and that would be very useful for New Game Plus. This is something that uh, Death's Gambit did. Um, Death's Gambit is like a 2D side-scrolling game that I think people call it a Souls-like, although it's not really a Souls-like at all. Um, but they had a, a thing where you could sacrifice your Estes Flask for a damage boost against a boat at, at any bonfire, essentially. So, you know, I have five Estes but I'm going to sacrifice one. So I'm only going to go into the boss fight with four, but I'm doing 120% damage. And uh, I think like there's ways to, to play with those kind of things. And I, but FromSoft seems to have this idea that like things need to be rare or grindy in some cases, or, or, or not have a huge effect on the player. Like the candies, even when you get the boost. So like to start off with, they, the candies don't last a very long time. And then there's a, there's a skill tree. There's a skill in the monk tree that will increase the time of the dur- their duration, which is cool. Like that's a nifty upgrade, but it's still not very significant. So I find myself just literally not using any of that stuff because, unless there's just a, you know, there's a boss transition phase where I I, I know I'm completely safe to to use it. And I'm, okay, and like oh, now is a good time to use divine confetti or uh, one of the sugars that make your attack high or, or what have you. But otherwise, like I just. I just don't care about it enough and it's not that big of a difference. So I just, you know, once again, my, my inventory is just filled with a lot of stuff that I'm never going to use. The little, um, I can't remember what they're called, the little statues, little wrapped up statues in the red little blanket. Jesus statues. Yeah. 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 I never. Baby snacks. <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> How do they work? Like I knew the concept, but I never actually found a use for them. So I did them because uh, Guardian Ape pissed me off. Um, <laughs> I find so, them extremely useful. <laughs> yeah, so they, yeah that, so, that's probably so one of my favorite items in the game. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. I'm you sorry. technically actually have like four or five resurrects if you use them. Um, you go through your your two, and you're like, okay, I can beat this boss. You eat the baby, and you get a new resurrect. So now you have two again. Um, if you die again, you can eat the other baby because um, if you don't use them, you'll have two on your person. One from the Orin quest and one um, normal one. So if you like, you basically eat one and you get a new resurrect dot. Uh, so if you're like 
on your last life and you think you can beat him, you eat the baby and you get a, a whole new resurrect dot. That, hey, can I drop it. a cool yeah. lore thing based on that? Because it just reminded me. Um, drop it. So as, as Diana said, like, you know, you can te- te- technically increase, like, your total num- number of resurrections to, so I think, five or six per, per run or a boss. Like, um, there's also the Dragon's Blood Droplet, which, you know, we all use to cure Dragon Rod, but if you use that in the middle of a fight, it will it will give you, like, a small sliver of, like, um, uh, whatever, whatever it's, they call it resurrective power, you know, the, the pie chart that kind of fills out. Um, but if you use it on a blocked resurrection node, it unlocks the resurrection node. So that's another cool thing that you can use in a fight. And one of the cool things that the game does with it is this game has bosses that talk to you, um, there's Gyubu, uh, who every time you die and resurrect, he says something. There's Junichiro, who also does the same thing. Like, each time you use the resurrective power, he says, oh, the power of the resurrective dragon's blood. Like, you know, now I must, you know, kill you more or whatever. Uh, and more in- interestingly, Owl, who, if you guys remember, and uh, I don't think Cliff has fought him, but he said he doesn't care about spoilers. So um, each time you die, uh, Owl says a tenant. Right, he says one. The parents' word is absolute, so and so, and I'm sensing the insubordination. And then he says two. The master, you know, so and so. If you use a third resurrection, he has more dialogue. And if you use a fourth one, he has more dialogue. Oh, um, super! And I cool. find that, and I find that really cool for something that most players will probably not see, because you need to like really be pushing it and. Or just to test this theory out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, or just yeah, willing had- to Oop. sacrifice relatively rare items. Like when I was I was fighting Owl 2.0, which is at the end of a of a different kind of path that you can take. And um, I, I think some of y'all were, were there watching me stream it, and literally just pausing the game and going through my inventory of trying to find anything that could help me because I was so close to the end. <laughs> I just <laughs> I had to get like literally anything out of pellets, out of gourds, no, no baby, no baby snacks, no, like just trying to figure out something that I could do. And yeah, like that's when I learned about the, the dragon's blood <clears throat> tier or dragon tier or whatever it's called. And that's, you know, that stuff is really useful and it makes me so happy that we have a pause button because these boss mm-hmm. encounters would be, they're, they're already very frantic and very intense. If you didn't have that ability to pause and like go through your inventory and even just take a breath. Like there were plenty of times where I'm on phase three going into phase four of a boss fight. I'm just going to pause and be like, okay, just got to calm down. Got to get my heart rate down to where it should be <laughs> to, to not this crazy, you know, I've been w- running for three miles heart rate. It makes me so happy because I like a lot of those items that do that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I, there's some like the bite down thing, like the the instant suicide tooth that you can get. Yeah, the hidden and, tooth. Yeah, that's like that's a really nifty thing that you wouldn't think would have a whole lot of use, but it actually like in a very specific circumstance where you're very close to beating a boss, you don't want to lose your resurrect, but you just want to come back with a little bit more health. Like that's the perfect time to use it, and you don't have to like scramble through your inventory like you would in a a normal Dark Souls Bloodborne game trying to find the item that you can use. <laughs> you can just pause it, and it's right there yeah i'm not gonna nope. lie I, I i paused a few times uh during boss fights just to take a breather absolutely man like yeah. I, that's 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 definitely that's mm-hmm. I, I think everybody would do that yeah we don't have to hold the controller and claw anymore to be able to scroll through menus in the middle of a fight <laughs> <laughs> yeah i find also, that so like in keeping with the spirit of like the sort of ninja shinobi like tactics thing that they wanted to do and i kind of wish to lean into it a bit more like kind of pausing and 
scrounging through everything like okay what's in my pocket that can help me now is like it just feels like so um thematic in the setting that i kind of wish that they had more bosses for example that had had you kind of trying to think of more interesting ways rather than just finding another resurrective node to you know get get more attacks in you know i i don't know i don't know what that would look like but i wish they had leaned into that more um so let's 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 talk about bosses for a minute let's change gears for a minute um brian what, what what's your favorite boss in the game oh gosh uh favorite boss um mm-hmm. honest honestly it's probably Ishin now like <laughs> I, I, I think maybe it's just you know uh, a little, little bit of um stockholm syndrome yep yep that's uh, what it sounds uh, like beating my beating my head against him for for several hours but i you know like i i i despite having a lot of frustration with him, like I do really like that kind of boss where like you have to like learn their moveset really well and, and, and be on point the entire time. Um, I maybe wish it was like one phase shorter. Like maybe you just only had to do the Genichiro phase the one time. Yeah. And then after yeah. that, you just only fought Ishin. Uh, but just, you know, otherwise I, boy, I really like that boss. It's, it's a super fun fight. Charles, what about you? All of them. Wow, we got a super fan on our hands, everybody. I don't know if you're might. What? <laughs> yeah. what? Uh, I don't know. It's there were <clears throat> some really cool, unique stuff done in this game. There were a lot of repetitive, similar type bosses, a lot of sword fighting bosses, but that's fine because that's what the game's about. But there was also some really weird ones, like the lightning dragon. It was a bit janky. But it was so cool how different it was from anything we've ever done in a in a FromSoft game. Yeah, the dragon was really cool too. Yeah, that's like it was, as a spectacle, mm-hmm. it was just like this is so different. I wish the camera really cool. was and- like thirty percent better for that fight, but otherwise, like it's, it's, it's <laughs> such a it's such a it's such a crazy cool encounter that you just don't see coming at all, or at least I didn't see anything like that coming. I mean, they sent you to go see Dragon Tears, so I figured we'd see a dragon, but like I didn't expect like that level of, of, of spectacle. It's interesting well, it's just, you mentioned the camera there, because like they, I feel like they go kind of part way to addressing that concern with that periodic move that he has that kind of pushes you back mm-hmm. into the air and kind of gives you like a more wide-angle view of everything. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think they should have kind of leaned into so I would have beaten that boss um, three attacks sooner if the, I didn't keep unlocking my... Because <laughs> I, I would counter the lightning, but it would uh, have unlocked um, yeah. So you hit R1 the and camera. the lightning <laughs> so spear into the, the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just things like that. And then there's the, the monkey fight against the, 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 three, the four monkeys. Just yeah. how d- mm-hmm. different it is. Mm-hmm. I'm taking everyone's answers. I'm just going to keep going. Roberto's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Robert's dad is pretty great. <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys beat the monkeys as per like how uh, you know with using the clues and like all the systems in that arena, or just like nope, nope. run around like me and like trying to fire on the monkeys? I just, I just ran around uh, like so- a madman and brute forced it. <laughs> To I, like I still want to like understand. Like I know I get the whole thing, right? Like you know the monkey can see well or like hear well or you know you know whatever the three monkey stuff and the fourth invisible monkey right which i think that was cool because like you're you know getting finding that invisible monkey is still a cool moment but i I still feel like i haven't cracked like the puzzle aspect of it but it's so cool um i can't wait to like actually one day sit down and like 
all right, I'm going to do this like using the clues that are in here rather than just run around. I, found- I did a bit of both, but I was also got lucky, I think. Sorry, could go. Yeah, no, I found I found the visible monkeys really fast, and it took me a while to find Do No Evil, which is what the invisible monkey is. Because it's, um, they're literally just referencing the, the see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil, do no evil, yeah. Japanese parable. And it took me forever to find the, the invisible monkey, because I kept running, and I was, like, looking for the, the, the footprints. And finally... I like ran into some place where I shouldn't have run into, and I'm like, this random place in the middle of a room shouldn't have co- like collision detection. So that's why I hit my <laughs> I, <laughs> I hit my sword, and there's the monkey, and I'm like, okay, there we go. This is bad level design. <laughs> <laughs> um, Diana, do, is that would I'm sure that's not your favorite, but what, what do you think is your favorite boss fight so far? Uh, my favorite is Ishin. And then Demon of Hatred. Talk, talk to me a little bit about so. about your Demon of Hatred love. Like, try to try to convince me because I like that fight a lot, and I, I spent a lot of time on it, and I came out of it um, just thinking, like, man, that was great. I just did a cool thing. Um, but it is it is too much TM. <laughs> like that fight is just too much in a lot of different ways. Yeah, like I can see that because all of the humanoid bosses. I've I've taken the saying this, but the humanoid bosses, the health is an illusion. Like, with with Ishin, people were like, four health bars? Why? Why four health bars? But, like, the, the fact of the matter is, with Ishin, you only have to do, like, a, a good sliver for him to keep his posture damage, and you just posture him out. And, like, you can posture out, like, two phases within, like, a minute or so of each other. But, like, with, with Demon of Hatred, you have to destroy his vitality. There is no posture damage to kill so, because uh, his like posture bar is like super long, and that's the act like for the humanoid boss- bosses, the actual bar you're attacking is their posture, just full stop. But um, like for those who've seen me, I'm really a I'm too aggressive, maybe. <laughs> like I'm I'm very aggressive. So like just running around and then falling into like the same rhythm like over and over again, like. He lights on fire and he jumps and then I'm like just gonna jump and then like all of his all of his perilous attacks are just jump there's no there's no dis- like rampant decision making between like Mickey counter and and jumping you just jump and it's just like it's a high speed it's um it's a high speed fight and it's an aggressive fight and it it punishes um bad positioning which is really what it's it's testing you on and you yeah, know the that, music that, is awesome and the fight is all so. about positioning <clears throat> which is why it's so frustrating when he jumps into a wall and breaks your camera and all of a sudden you have no idea what's going on on the screen anymore so um, like i didn't have a whole lot of camera breakage but like it was it was enjoyable to figure out his attack strings because that's the other big tip is that Unlike souls where you're where you're reading per move, you in Sekiro you're discovering the attack strings and then you're reacting to the attack string rather than individual moves. And Demon of Hatred only has like three in his first phase and he adds like an extra move every other phase. So like once you have the first phase down, it's really just a matter of time before you just kinda 
it becomes kind of it, it became really meditative for me because a lot of these bosses are, are just kind of puzzle objects for me to like pour over until until I figure it out um, so yeah I mean that's why I like Demon of Hatred a lot like it was it was a lot of fun to like figure out and just and just fight which is I guess I'm just a Shura <laughs> I'm just an Ashura I'm just an Ashura <laughs> I just want to fight something and bash my katana against it I, I uh, love the the concept of that carrot of that boss with the law that he's the, yes, yeah, the that, idol carver that made killing that boss worth it is finding out who it was and f- figuring out like oh oh and all yeah that's that was a really good moment and well, then and the, the old woman that, and the old woman's basically like nice fight bra yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but in the fact that the the bad ending of the main game is you replace the carver and you have that hatred building in you. And I thought that was like a cool kind of cyclical nature, cyclical nature of the From Software games that they always bring in, is that that history repeats itself. That's an interesting question that I had with that ending. Is I I'm, I haven't gone back and checked, but I I don't know the type of sculpture that Sekiro is carving at the end. Um, I was curious whether like he would latch on to some other emotion, like the sculptor did hatred for all his life, you know. Because uh, the sculptor says that's all he sees, so yes. those are the Buddhas he can carve. But I was wondering whether Sekiro's would be different, or like whether he'd latch onto a different thing. But anyway, I, I imagine it'd be a very. Uh, he resented the fact that he had to do it. Um, is what I what I took from it. So there'd be some form of angry emotion. <laughs> is my my <laughs> in, in, uh, impression yeah, on it? Like I I agree to some extent because in that ending I call it the neutral ending. In that ending, nothing is actually fixed, per se. Like Kudo's it's kicked down, dead. Yeah, the can's kicked down the road. Like, yeah, the can is kicked down the road. Divine Child is still imprisoned in her inner sanctum, and which you know is a whole other can of rejuvenating water verbs worms. But like, she's still imprisoned, so nothing's <laughs> fixed there. We don't know how the dragon heritage is bestowed upon individuals. Um, I think a lot of, I think I've come down on the, it's kind of a cosmic finger point at a little boy. And it's like, you, you are now the dragon's heritage. As long as the dragon's heritage itself isn't so um, addressed as it is in the other two, uh, in the other two endings. And um, the other thing is this game relies very, very much on duality, on things being in pairs the fact that the neutral ending only needs one item is very telling to say that it is an incomplete ending. The other two mm-hmm. endings require two items because everything else in this game is paired. Everything else. That's why there's a wife with the guardian ape. That's why there's uh, a master and a uh, retainer. That's why there is a lot of father and sons. That's why there's a lot of like firsts and seconds, and wh- where Emma is revealed to be the second to Ashin Ishina. I mean, uh, Ashina Ishin, and all of that. There's, there's always. Well, Genichiro <laughs> is is attached. Genichiro is attached to his "You didn't win" scream into the night. Because that's what also, he loves also saying, he's attached to Sekiro <laughs> is what he's really trying yeah. to go for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you didn't win, Sekiro. <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot of there's a lot of pairs. Like there's two tiers. 
there's what there, the gracious gift of tears that comes from one eye and then the other eye is like the either divine child's tear or you know the other tear that you can get from the purification route but there's always pairs in this game there's always a duality in this game because there's you know life and death are paired and that's kind of why I have a whole long rant about why the localization drops the ball on Sakura Blossoms because they, the tr localization calls them Ever Ever Blossoms. And I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, that doesn't. They're Sakura, they're Sakura it, Blossoms. Even as somebody who's not very well educated on, on these kind of topics, even I saw that and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's just, a, what are you doing there? Um, this we, is a we, cherry tree and it comes with a very specific set of like cultural implications that imply very well into this game and considering that there's a theo there's like two theological advisors in the credits i don't understand what the what the localization was doing <laughs> was going there uh cliff I, I didn't forget you as as somebody who mm. apparently hates all of these bosses in these in this game <laughs> could do away with all of them do do, do mm. any of them that you fought stick out as maybe your favorite to fight or did you have a good time fighting really any of them yeah, I, I, yeah. To be honest, the only boss I really actually enjoyed fighting was Guardian Ape. I love that boss fight. It was really, I did not expect fun. you to say yeah. that at all. That's because <laughs> like, I didn't know what was going to happen with that. And when I first killed him, I was like, "Yeah, done him. That was that was pretty cool." And then the son of a bitch gets up, holding his head in his hand. I was like. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. I'll give him that. And he's just, and whenever he wants to do his scream, he has to like attach his head near his neck just to do it and stuff. I, it, just the design of him and the way, like obviously when you like obviously pull the thing out his thing and take his head off is, and the way he changes from I find from the first phase very erratic and I, I struggled f like judging him to the second phase where I found him much more easy to judge with his sword swings and the the cool little mechanic you can use with him if you obviously know about it obviously ripping the bloody centipede out of his neck with the spear to cause like humongous posture damage it's just it was a real fun fight for me it was probably the only one to at so far that i've actually fully enjoyed and straight after i was like right i'm going to go and fight the double apes because i really enjoyed this fight and then i've done double apes literally like first go because I like, yeah, I really enjoyed the the ape fight. The ape fight was great fun, great mechanics, and just the design was really, really cool. Really enjoyed that fight. My, Did um, anyone else use the try use the spear on Roberto? Or Roberto's dead. No, no. Mm -mm. I did. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I thought I'd try it because I wanted that to play into the game a little bit more. But it's like literally two spots <laughs> that, I, that I know of you can use it on. Like, I, I tried it because I was still super blind at that point. So I was like trying everything on on him until and like after the fact that boss is hilarious to me because of, of its meta joke. It's... <laughs> <laughs> somebody already already kind of said it but like he's a giant guy who's also a dad wearing dark souls armor swinging <laughs> around swinging yeah. around as vehander and the <laughs> <laughs> 
And and Ugh, the way you kill yeah. him is you break his poise, which everyone was bitching about in Dark Souls 3, and then you kick him off the, the bridge. I <laughs> died at the implicit joke there. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good... I thought it was cool. I yeah. thought it was a nice twist. Well, on, yeah. As soon as I saw on, him, on I sent a picture of him to Jeremy and was like, found the Dark Souls boss. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I want to give a shout out. Uh, like my, my my favorite bosses in the game are are probably um, Ashina at the end, um, or Ashina during the Shura ending. Uh, I think both of those fights are really good. Guardian Eight Phase Two stands out to me a whole lot. Uh, I watched um, friend of the podcast uh, Nick Strenuous Orb on Twitter is doing a new game seven no items no heals uh, run it's ludicrous uh, yeah <laughs> and uh, watching him do uh, phase two of the Guardian Ape and just like he's just standing there and just waiting and then deflecting at the exact right moment I was like oh wow this is what the Matrix looks like um, like but once you figure that stuff out like it feels really satisfying uh, but the first time that I was like. I, I was kind of creeped out and and intrigued by a boss fight was uh Oren of the Oren of the Water Oren of the Shallow Water what Ooh, is your uh, mm. of the Water um she's such a like you you, you encounter her she's she's playing a musical instrument and she's giving you like straight up from software NPC dialogue and then all of a sudden it's a it's a boss fight and like the invisible form and it's it's not overly difficult. Like I feel like I I got it even on my first attempt uh, or my my first encounter. Like I got it within a couple of deaths, and it's just it was just a fun fight. And it's like the music is really creepy and weird. I still don't mm. really know what's going on with the story. I don't really necessarily need to know to enjoy it. But I I want to call that one out as like, wow, like this this is a great this is a great fight. Um, we've been we've been recording for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we should probably try to wrap this one up uh do you guys want to go around the room and kind of final thoughts on on Sekiro and then and then wrap this bad boy up works for me all right uh brian wade you're up first uh this game really owns um if you're if, if you listen to Next. this whole episode <laughs> no, if you listen to this whole episode and you still haven't finished the game or if you put it down or you're not sure if you're gonna play it um just just keep pushing at it because that's what I did and I'm really glad that I did and I you know like you heard me on this on this podcast a couple episodes ago talking about like how frustrated I was with it and that I didn't know if I was going to finish it and you know 2 weeks later here I am I've I've I finished the game I did the thing uh and boy is it worth seeing through like so please don't don't give up skeleton <laughs> Don't, Don't give, give up, up Shinobi. Shinobi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vader, Charles, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan. Um, forget Souls-itis, I got Sekiro-itis. <laughs> like, I just can't be interested in anything else at the moment. I just, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's all I want to play. Like I've um, really, really like it. The world, the setting, um, the lore, the characters... It's all good. Uh, even the struggle, I, I like how I know there is there is a debate that can be had about making it easier, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I I, I love how the difficulty plays into the story for me. Um, it, it yeah ties into to the lore and the character build, the development, and all that. So it's I love it. It's very good. Sebastian. Yeah. Um. 
I kind of want to address like you know the portion of the community that that may not be feeling that way, right? Like, um, I think when people complain about you know the boss phases or you know the number of death blows you need or the amount of health you have to whittle down, I think they're I think they're talking about like I mean you know you can beat a boss in five minutes or eight minutes in the end, but it does take a long time to learn these bosses uh, because you know even though it comes down to a simple s- simple thing as identifying a combo, like you might die in the middle of one and it might take you a few more deaths to like learn it. Um, so. You know, just the classic from, from soft trope, like death teaches you things, and you know, kind of keeping at it teaches you things. I do, I definitely regret, like you know, the absent systems such as summoning or uh, many other things that people have used before to like kind of push through their own personal limits on what it is to learn something. Um, and you know, I, I might have spent five hours in Junichiro, and he's my favorite boss, like in this game, and he's probably. He's up there for me with Maria, and you know he's that good for me. Um, but someone else that put the same amount of time on him might not have gone away with that same feeling, and I think that's okay. Um, I think the thing that I'm most glad about is like From Software has tried something completely new um, in in good and bad ways. Um, I think the computer community can decide that you know in, in, in the course of time. But I think they've tried something different. It, it, it was something that fell outside their wheelhouse of stuff that they've been doing recently. But just like, you know, the only the small quotes, I think, here and there. Um, and I, I think that's just all I want in the future, too. Like, as I've said at the beginning of this podcast, these, this whole series, like, you know, the whole cottage industry here is like this long conversation between, between this developer and the community. And these games are so special because they ask you to, like, meet them at their level. And a lot of people enjoy that process. Uh, some people don't. Like, I was there once with Dark Souls, like, where I didn't... I, I thought it was just too harsh, and I get, stayed away from that whole series for two years. And, you know, it took me that long to get back into it. Uh, so maybe that's just always been there at all. But um, I do wish that in the future, like, I want them to try new things. But as much as these games have, like, asked us to meet them at their level, I hope that From kind of is listening to the community um, and, like, you know, all this conversation that we, we're trying to stay away from, but it's it's so all present, like, every time one of their games comes out, and I hope they're listening to that. And I think they're smart enough, honestly, to figure out, like, a really cool way to add, like, difficulty modes or whatever that is. And they've done it before. They've done it before with summoning. I think they can do it again. I think I respect their choice not to do it in this game, and I love it in spite of it, but it's totally understandable that there are some people that are staying away from it because of that. Diana, your thoughts? I I really like... Like, I... I love the game as much as, you know... When all is said and done, it's a big puzzle box. Like like I mentioned earlier, all the bosses, the entire game is just this puzzle box for me to just unravel and it's been exceedingly fun to do it but it's i can see it being because i've been there and i'm just too stubborn to like give up at some points because i spent hours on like pretty much all the bosses i think um but like once you unravel it the the game itself kind of unfurls once like it's it's tough to do but once it unfurls it, it it like shows itself to be what it's doing. Um, 
And I, I think partially it's because of expectation. I think partially it's because, again, this came out worldwide at the same time. Like Dark Souls 3, we already had the this, this strats for certain bosses if you were watching the Japanese streams. Um, so, like, playing Dark Souls 3 for the first time, people already kind of knew what to expect. And they already knew knew the dance. And I think a lot of people came into Sekiro... And it's hard enough as it is, but some people wouldn't let go of their expectation for for what they think a FromSoft game is, and you know it made it it made it a bit harder. So I can I can totally understand that. So like, but if you if you stick with it, if you you find that one Jenga piece and everything falls falls open in front of you, and like I really love like I really love the game. Like the the game was amazing and it's like it's probably one of the deepest narratives that they've put together and yeah kudos to the writer because it was like i know it wasn't miyazaki who who wrote it but kudos to the writer for it because it's it's one of the deepest like the deepest narratives that like i think from soft has put together in a long long time cliff your turn um for me at the moment, the jury is still out where I stand with this game. Um, only... I mean, there's I'd a PS4 a controller underground. <laughs> I'll probably argue with that point. There is, but only a week ago, <laughs> before I hit this this wall, I was in the point of uh, claiming on Twitter that this was up there with Bloodborne in my top two favourite games of all time. So... There's something there that I love and enjoy, but there's also a big chunk there that I do not enjoy. And it's when the game asks of you to be utterly precise for five to eight minutes. It doesn't seem like a long time, but it to be 100% precise for that amount of time really my my slow whittled old mind really struggles with it Cliff can I ask you um, something go on have you considered getting good <laughs> Damn. I don't actually mean that oh I'm, not, I'm not that guy <laughs> uh, you, you don't even know how many people I've had to tell me this it just <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know don't what? Worry, like, I'm a I, Dex leveler here. Dark, Dark Souls One, like I played that fucking Dex with a great scythe, man. Yeah, I loved it. But yeah, it's I, I love this game. I love how it plays. I love the setting. I love the world. I love the level design. I just don't like the 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 bosses. I like the bosses, but I don't like what they expect of you as a player. I find it's too much for me personally. I'm really struggling to overcome that. And if there was some way to down tune it a little bit, not even an easy mode, maybe just some kind of assist mode, like what Celeste had just for idiots like me. <laughs> I know obviously from don't really like doing stuff like that, but it would really help. Or even as you say, summons or being able to over level. That's always how I've managed to get through from games in the past so obviously this one's been a real roller coaster bag for me but as a game it's mechanically sound the combat is absolutely fantastic like it's my favorite combat in any souls game to date just the clanging of swords and just the one two three and it's it's brilliant it's absolutely spectacular but it's just 
me, my skill level struggles to keep up with what the game expects. So, uh, yeah, it's up and down. It's it's definitely up there for me. So I'm just hoping I can push through and obviously finish the rest of it. I believe in you. We all believe, believe in you. In you. We believe all believe in, in the me who believes in you. <laughs> uh, well, I've only got one. I've only got one controller left. So <laughs> if, if I have to send you a we'll controller, to start a, I will. <laughs> to start a GoFundMe for this controller. <laughs> 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 But I do. Also, that, you don't that. need to. You don't need to beat it now. Like, yeah, yeah. it's no. a single player game. It's yeah. it's gonna be there forever, and and yeah. you can get it within your own time. It's not a rush to complete things. I think a lot of people are are disheartened by the fact that yeah. like there are a lot of people like finish the game within a weekend. Like, like I think a lot of people mm-hmm. got disheartened about that, and they they took that to heart or internalized it that somehow they're wrong. Or something's wrong with them. No, it's it's a single player game. You own it. It's yours forever. Yeah, it's okay if you're not a true take elite time. gamer. It's so take your time. <laughs> You'll get it eventually. Don't worry about it. Before I yeah. um get into my thoughts on the game, I actually have a, a special missive. We we didn't put anything out on Twitter to request um <clears throat> comments or anything. I sort of assumed this podcast with five people and it would be long enough as is. <laughs> you were However, correct. uh I, I have been in touch with um, everyone's favorite former host of Dark Insight, uh, Mr. Morbid Beard, ah. and uh, mm. he he wrote me, and I'm going to read what he wrote. Um, he says, truth be told, I haven't even played it for ages because I've been busy, but I guess a comment I'd like to make is that From very much seemed to be top form with this game. It feels very polished and thought out, and I've enjoyed every second I've put into it so far. Watching all the difficulty arguments from afar, I can see both sides of it and wouldn't have a problem with there being an easy mode because some people just want to experience a world on their own terms. I'll say one thing. I got plenty of exercise whilst reading all these cheating and get good comments because my eyes rolled, rolled so hard I had to chase them down the street. <laughs> <laughs> thank you josh for uh letting me read that on the on the air that's very um, good uh, awesome i'm uh, truly. i'm i have a me and uh dana were were dealing about this the other day and um i i have kind of this weird relationship with sakura right now where it's it it almost feels like um it almost feels like something i can't talk about on twitter anymore because I feel like if I say something like, um, oh, I really like the last boss of Sekiro. Like, I feel like mm. people will, will see that and go like, oh, my God, I can't believe that, you know, I had so much difficulty. Like, I don't I don't want to inspire those conversations because I'm already relatively bored with seeing those conversations myself. Mm. And that's not to publicly drag or subtweet anybody in on the podcast or outside of the podcast or listening. But it's just you, you, you see so much of it. And I so it's it's weird to have this thing that i absolutely love that i know is 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 not everybody is going to be able to experience um but that i am just so excited for like I, i've mentioned a couple of times like i've played through the game like three and a half times now i'm probably going to keep doing it <laughs> like i'm having so much fun like playing through it with all of my, my tools and my arsenal and just experimenting and playing around and and just having a good time that i i just like like Vader said, like I, I had no desire to play a, a, another game right now, and 
for as much as I was concerned, and I think I'm on record, at least don't don't give up skeleton, as saying that like this is a setting that traditionally doesn't do much for me. I, I don't, you know, this is these are these were things that I wasn't super excited about when I saw the the original previews. Um, it, it's something that has completely drawn me in, and the story is really really great. Uh, we didn't talk in detail about the endings, but one of the endings specifically, the uh, purification, where Sekiro gets to. You know, basically save Kuro as is such a powerful ending and I feel like it's such a it's probably my favorite out of out of the four. And it's just it's just brilliant. Like I I, I love it. I, I love every single bit of it to pe- to pieces. And I'm just I, you know, I have small quibbles, but I think anybody would have small quibbles about a video game. So I I just like I'm 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 I, I feel bad and, I, and this has been mentioned several times online. Like I feel bad that this conversation around Sekiro has been about difficulty and accessibility options and get good and gaslighting people into weird straw man arguments and all of this other stuff. When there's like a really interesting story, there's some really fucking great level design and like just the, the enemy encounter they are the enemy design in this that we didn't really talk about. Like your grunt, there's like three or four different levels of grunts. And then that continues to expand throughout the game. Like I never felt like I was fighting the same things over and over again. And it's just, it's so it's so like a tier to me that I'm just, I can't even handle it. Like I really don't like ranking from software games, and it's a question that comes up a lot on DJs. But I just I mean this this is up there with Bloodborne to me. Like I this is up there this is up there with Dark Souls One for me as far as just fun to fucking play. And uh, yeah, I can't I can't wait to go back and like I'm about to go do the dragon <laughs> probably not right after this yeah. because um it's Friday night and I'm not gonna put my put my wife through that again. <laughs> I've already done that once. Um, but yeah, definitely will be I'll probably stream some stuff tomorrow uh, and then you know just just having some fun see see what I can get into. Yeah, like I just to tag on to that is like I mean you guys just heard if you like know know how I speak and know how I, how I like talk about things i was very reserved in that question and and that's because of what jeremy just spoke about i feel a little guilty for how much i like this game um (laughs) (laughs) just like i feel a little guilty because like i want everybody to experience it and i know every i'm i'm 35 and i've got like you know job and responsibilities and stuff and i and i like was able to push through and i don't think of myself as like super elite gamer or whatever because i'm like you know old and, and decrepit and falling into dust and stuff like the avengers movie but you know i want everybody to be able to experience it and i want to help everybody who is having trouble who wants that help to to like coach them through it because that it's a puzzle box but it's a it's a really tough to open puzzle box but once you do it's like it's amazing and you know i love it that much you're talking puzzle box it feels like I've opened the puzzle box in Hellraiser I was going to make that reference yeah. to get me. <laughs> I would actually really like to see like pleasure pain who knows the difference I mean the long arm centipede giraffe is basically like a weird cinnabite that rocks around on all fours yeah so. <laughs> he really is <laughs> Well, um, thank you for everybody out there listening, uh, most importantly. But thank you to um, Savesh and to Diana for, for guesting and, and giving us all of their thoughts. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, let's let's start with you, Savesh. Where, where can you be found on the internet should people want to come seek you out? I don't really have a huge internet presence. Uh, I'm on the 
Digis Discord and on the Death Feed Slack, um, Mr. Crafty and then Mr. Crafty eighty six on Twitter. But I, it's a very passive passive presence. I usually delete my tweets like periodically, and like I mostly use it to consume like you know content from all you good folks and you know keep in touch, I guess. But yeah, so come find me there. And, yeah. Diana, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found uh, like. I will take over the slack for Mystic Referee, who has a passive presence. I have a whole bunch of presences. <laughs> um, I'm at Angel No Moon on Twitter, Angel No Moon on Medium. I am Casative on YouTube, and uh, Theomini pretty much everywhere else. So there you go. Send, send us links. We'll, we'll make sure those all get in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get all of that stuff in there. Also, I've realized that I've been pronouncing it cassative and not casative for like f- the four years that I've known you now. <laughs> now I feel super bad about it. So sorry about I that. I wasn't going to say anything. It's a dead word. <laughs> <who cares>. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, where are you at on the internet nowadays? What are you doing? Um, the usual. Um, Vader Van Oden on most everywhere. And because no one asked for it, I'm doing a let's play of New, Ga- New Game Plus. Nice. Interestingly enough, they don't actually call it New Game Plus in this. It's playthrough number two. Yeah, it's the yeah. same in mm-hmm. Dark Souls 3. Doing mm-hmm. three. Yeah, yeah Dark Souls 2 as well. Like, two. begin journey to, to Drain Lake. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's so right. good. So, <laughs> it's such a video gamey thing to do, and I love it. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, Cliff, where, have you, where, where are you hiding on the internet nowadays? Uh, everywhere. Um or you can get me uh, decrepit gaming everywhere Twitter uh, Twitch uh, YouTube uh, PS4 if you want to add me it's all decrepit gaming did you change your PS4 handle did it break anything no it's not broken anything so far I've t- I tested blood because apparently there's issues with Bloodborne and Dark Souls but I've tested them and I haven't found any issues so far so good deal all good Ooh, now you need to change it to old, old, grumpy old sculptor because <laughs> I've decided that that's who you are from secular <laughs> you've lost one controller so it's like losing an arm oh yes <laughs> Brian, Brian Wade where, where are you at uh, twitter.com slash Wade Brian R that's more or less my, my internet presence I'm in some discords and some slacks and stuff but if you if you need me you know where to get me that's it's very true. If you need him, he will be there. Is the is the Brian Wade? Uh, I'll be there for you. Just um, say Brian Wade three times. <laughs> uh, I've been Jeremy Greer. I've been your guest host because I held them up at gunpoint and made made them let me host this podcast for some reason. Wait, um, you didn't you didn't stab them in the toe? I haven't stabbed anybody in a toe. I didn't. I didn't slam their sword to the ground with my foot and then counter uh, with mm. a death blow. But we were close. Me, me and Vader almost had almost almost had words. So. Yeah, um, that Jeremy's posture was almost at I was max. Almost at max. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. I do a variety of podcasts. If you like any of the people that you're listening to talk and you want to hear more about uh, their journey through the From Software slash Souls games, uh, check out don'tgiveupskeleton.com and just type their name into the search box, and all of them have their own individual episodes. So that's super cool. Uh, thank you for listening to Dark Insight. If you want to talk to the podcast we are at dark insight pod you can also find us at darkinsight.net that has links to pretty much all of our various host social media links and you can find anything right there please rate and review us i don't know when the last time the podcast had a review was but we need another <laughs> one and we need it post haste so we, so get in there if you if you enjoyed this conversation give us those reviews um five stars only five, five stars only <laughs> <laughs> get that four star shit out of there it doesn't work for Sekiro. it doesn't work for us okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotta be five right. stars um I 
did not talk to the people that are editing this podcast, so I may have just signed myself up for some work here, but um, our good friend Jake Lionheart, uh, whose music is often used in this show, uh, released a Sekiro, oh, yeah, he put out a Sekiro rap album. album. Mm. So if you were, if you need some hip-hop beats and talking about some shinobis, and um, you know, I don't want to spoil the one song that actually has a really funny ending to it, but just go check out that. Uh, we'll have links to that in the show notes, and hopefully we can put some of the music before and after the podcast. Um, yeah. All right. Shinobis, are we out? We're out. Poof. Later. <laughs> Yo. Tough as a foe, the clashing of blades like fire to coals and souls in their graves. Master of sword, confronting these swine, protecting his lord, always up on his grind. Stringing for prayer, bees offered the sculpture, enemy bleeds, set fire to ogres. McCary, the spearman, go steal through the head. Sekiro, they're fearing too late, they're not dead. The one armed wolf, so silent and deadly, stalking his prey sword, hand strong and steady. Bandits and soldiers, no shadows of the ministry. Apes and demons, the wildest of enemies. Generals, Night John and John a kite. Death blow to the neck, and to every fight archers and gunners all meet their demise cut down the gray snake blood fills up the skies but of everyone that master wolf will face there's only one that will test his grace test his patience and test his skill test his aptitude for the kill an enemy so vile diabolical of sorts makes his spirit bend and contort the fiercest foe that's ever been confronted turning the wolf from hunter to hunted the fiercest foe that's ever been confronted Turning the wolf from hunter to hunted. Turning the wolf from hunter to hunted. Turning the wolf to hunted. Roosters, vile birds from the pits of hell, even come with the brimstone smell. Roosters, as they're chilling on the mountaintop, listen as they crow until they make your heart stop. Roosters, please don't be fooled by their size, they won't stop until they peck out your eyes. Roosters, even if you douse them in flame, they'll cluck around with no sign of pain. Roosters, the most cunning of antagonists, they should be at the top of every villainous, scratching with talons that cut out your soul. From whence come these demons, I just wanna know. Made from leftover parts, come man, villainy. These devil birds are what's really. Killing me, you think it's a joke, but I show you it's true. Don't believe me, there's a rooster right behind you. Roosters.